As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. New PR on the leg press. Oh, I leg press 1,600 pounds. Yeah, but you can't squat 300. What good is a 1,600-pound leg press? When you're out on the football field, do you have a leg press? When you're throwing the shot put, do you have a leg press? When you're knee-deep in the muck in Vietnam, do you have a leg press? Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Friday, January 22nd. This is The Drop. Hashtag full squad. I'm J.E. Skeets. I'm alongside me, Mr. What You Need to Know, Tass Mellis. Good day, everybody. Good day, Tass. We got the Bass Master ripping them lips. Nice shirt there, Trey Kirby. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. Yes, the Grateful Dead Lithuania shirt. That is amazing there, TK. We also have the International Man of Mystery taking it to the max in an NBL jersey, Lee Ellis. Friend. Last but not least, making the magic happen is JD. Hello. There he is. And here we are. Shout out to the stream team joining us live right now on YouTube. Yesterday, we reached 27,000 subs. All right. That's a lot of subs. Let's inch our way to 30,000, then to 40,000, then to 50K. And then we get that slim Lee Ellis country song (laughs) dropped on your head. But big news with our YouTube channel yesterday. Trey, take it away. You, You do it. You let the people know. Whoopsies are back! There it is. Yes, NBA <laughs> Whoopsies. Our NBA it. blooper series is back. Uh, forget weekend whoopsies. It's weekly whoopsies now from the entire week. So if you haven't, go check that out again on the No Dunks YouTube channel. Uh, fantastic work. That music, JD, man, it took me back. Oh, my goodness. Just uh, back took to Took me the back, studio. too. Yeah. A lot of fun. Great first <laughs> I'm one. I'm feeling a lot of pressure right now because, as you said... We used to do weekend whoopsies. Now it's weekly whoopsies. Feeling pressure to not miss a whoopsie. It's uh, like missing yeah. a wedgie. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And help us out. Help us out, actually. That's a, that's a great point there, Tass. Uh, for everyone listening um, and joining us, of course, live watching us here, if you see a whoopsie in the NBA, let us know about it. Best way is probably on Twitter, at No Dunks Inc., but you can email them in or you can let us know in the YouTube comments as well. We've got our eye on that. So, yeah, if you see something that you think could make the whoopsies, 
tag it and let us know what game, where it happened, what it is. That really, really helps us. All right. Keep your questions and your comments coming for next week's Beach Steppin' Podcast. Email them in no dunks at theathletic.com. Immaculate items always available at nodunks.com. You know, Tass, I almost feel bad now. I said, nice shirt, Trey. Nice jersey, Lee. Tass has the best shirt on. Let's be honest. He's got the That's No nice Dunks shirt. basketball shirt there. That's a nice shirt. Rocking the purple. You can go get that at nodunks.com. T-shirts, hoodies, shorts, and a mug even. All right. We got a lot to talk about, as we always do on the drop. We're going to touch on last night's light NBA schedule. Only three games. We'll get to those. We got worst of the week. We got tweet of the night. We got rapid fire fun. But I teased this earlier in the week. The 2020-21 NBA regular season, already a month in, guys. Uh, and we're actually nearing the quarter pole, really, of the season with only 72 games. We're getting close there, Lily. <laughs> On Wednesday's podcast, we discussed our early season surprises and disappointments and some prediction mulligans and our best plays. And I teased on that one that on this drop, we would share and debate our NBA award frontrunners. So let's do it. We'll take turns going through you know, each of the six major NBA awards. Now, I'd like to point out, I don't think, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, I looked at it like this. This is not who I think's going to win it, you know, necessarily, but who right now, you know, 15, 16 games in, would be at the at the top of the leaderboard, or top three even, because I want you guys to give me your top three candidates in each one. So, Lee, let's start with MVP. Ooh. Work it backwards, Lee. Okay, go three, two, one for us. Uh, <laughs> and who do you have right now uh, as your MVP a month in? Okay, so uh, this is a good award because we all have different ways of uh, evaluating the MVP, <laughs> don't we? I mean, some go on numbers and stats, some give weight to team success, and some of yep. it is just part of the eye test. Two-way effectiveness, narrative plays a part. So uh, based on all those categories, at number three on my MVP leaderboard, I have Joel Embiid. Okay. Wow. There are a few guys in contention here, but I've been really impressed with the early returns of Joel Embiid playing under Doc Rivers. I think Doc has gotten through to Joel to make him understand that he needs to be a more dominant player closer to the basket. The numbers are great. The raw numbers, 26 and 12, one and a half blocks and steals per game. So he's doing it at both ends there, but he's shooting career highs across the board. 55% from the field. He's taking less threes than he's taken in the past, but he's shooting them at a better percentage and he's getting to the free throw, free throw line more and making those at a career-best clip. The Sixers' best record in the East, but they have had the easiest, or an, an easy schedule, mm-hmm. I will say. But I think Joel Embiid so far has uh, has has shown this is probably his best career season for me in the early games. Okay, at number two on my MVP leaderboard, I have Kevin Durant. Now, the Nets' numbers in terms of win-losses, only 9-7, and 7-5 seven and seven and when Durant plays... But he has been simply amazing on the court when he's been playing. And I think they are the best team in the East right now, even though their record doesn't say it. Durant's numbers, 31 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists on incredible shooting, 54% from the field, 46 from 3. Only 86% from the line for Kevin Durant, a little bit lower uh, than normal. But to me, it comes down to, while the Nets have some defensive issues, every single team who plays the Nets has defensive issues when Kevin Durant's out on the floor. That's just how good he is. He's had a couple of chances to win games and he hasn't been able to do it. But right now in the Eastern Conference, if I was to pick who's going to make it to the NBA Finals, Kevin Durant's team is going to make it to the NBA Finals. He has been incredible. Hasn't looked like a guy who's missed 18 months and is also recovering from an Achilles injury, which is uh, sometimes devastating to a player. He's been unbelievable. And I've seen so many games of Kevin Durant that I sort of feel... I feel like he has just impressed me so much because I was wondering if he would be able to be 
back so quickly to the player that we saw before he got injured. And I think unquestionably he has. Mm-hmm. Number one on my leaderboard, I'm going with LeBron James for a wow. lot of reasons. <laughs> well, look, the Lakers, the best team and the clear favorite to win the title right now. The best record in the league at 12 and 4, 8 and 0 on the road. I mean, it doesn't mean quite the same these days because we don't have that sort of uh, home and road uh, uh, impact. Mm-hmm. But LeBron. Last night, I think we saw a classic, hey, guys, uh, you know how awesome I am? Watch me just dismantle the Milwaukee Bucks out here. Now, LeBron's numbers aren't huge by his standards, 24-8-8 on 48% shooting. But it's just so impressive to me that he's doing it in in basically playing a uh, career low in minutes, I think, apart from his rookie season. And it's just so easy for him and the Lakers right now. Um, You know, coming off winning the championship last season, we wondered, I wondered, if maybe Anthony Davis would be the guy this year who's like, right, I'm going to be the best player on the Lakers. I don't think that's happened. I think Anthony Davis has kind of not quite really found his form yet this season, although he's been good, but not certainly the player that I thought he was. Whereas I look at LeBron, I look around the league and I'm like, man, he is just cruising right now. This is the time of year where LeBron, you know, I know the season started later, but he often takes a couple of games off and he just chills out a little bit. Well, he is chilling out a bit, but his team is incredible and he's putting up... uh, you know, again, not huge numbers by his standards, but just doing it so easily, shooting the ball well, and his team looks so good. So LeBron James, as of today, is my MVP, which would be his fifth uh, officially. I think it would be my 12th if I was to... Uh... <laughs> right, oh, right, right, yes. <laughs> Shouldn't be the biggest surprise that you have LeBron yes, yeah. at uh, now, the top uh, of your leaderboard. Just before, just before you guys jump in, I'll just say uh, Nikola Jokic was in there because he's obviously averaging a triple-double, but the Nuggets, 7-7, seven and seven, not even in the playoffs in the West right now. And Steph Curry is also having a great season. The Warriors also not in the playoffs, so those why that, that's the reason why I took those two guys out of contention okay. and went with the uh, the three that I chose. Okay, well Trey, let's uh, let's go to you. What do you think of uh, Lee's list here, especially with LeBron at number one? Do you agree or disagree? Well, I've got the same three on my ballot as Lee, but I'm going to be Buster Rhymes here and flip it on him. I've got right. LeBron at number three on my MVP ballot because. It kind of feels like we've been watching preseason LeBron for the entirety of this year up until last night against the Bucks. Fourth quarter LeBron is the MVP. When he turns it on in the fourth quarter, as he's been doing throughout this season, he's clearly the best player in the league. But it's hilarious to look at his stats comically low. Like Lee is saying, 24-8-8. Eight and eight. Incredible for anybody. That's sophomore season for LeBron James. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not giving the full effort out there. We all know it. He knows it. But when he needs to, he can reach into the bag and still be the best player in the league. I got Kevin Durant at number two. I think he likely will end, will win MVP at the end of the season. Like Lee says, he has been phenomenal. He's instantly back in the best player in the game conversation. But I'm giving the MVP right now to Joel Embiid. He's been dominant. He's been engaged. He looks like an MVP game to game throughout his career. But he's constantly putting the team on his back right now, doing it on both ends. And I'm giving him the MVP for now because... It probably won't be the case in a couple of months. This is just how it goes with Joel Embiid. We've seen him uh, really put the team on his back in the past before. I remember, I think it was the Christmas game uh, last season. He was going against the Bucs, had like a 35-15, looked like the best player in the world. But it didn't totally translate for the rest of the season. He's been awesome this year. He's my MVP right now because I want to give him a little shine while he's on top. I agree with you, Trey. I got Embiid right now as the MVP front runner. you know, one month in here. 25 points per game. He's shooting, you know, 57% on twos, 39.4% from, from deeply, um, but he hasn't fallen in love with the three-point shot. Like you said, he's going down into the block and, and making it work down there. Both career highs, though. And I'll add to this, you know, a reason why I think he is the MVP right now. 
The Sixers' performance without him <laughs> helps his MVP case. I believe they're 0-3 when Embiid's not playing um, compared to like a 9-2 and record when he's in there. Now, yes, they haven't played the greatest teams yet, but still, you can only play who's in front of you there. So that, I think, does help him. I got KD. I actually have him second as well, but then I had Jokic as third. But KD, I have a question for you. I'll go to you, Lee. Moving forward, I know we're talking about one month in here, but moving forward, does trading for Harden hurt KD's MVP chances? Like, is it almost going to be impossible now for him to win it, you know, as the season goes on? Like, what's your take on that? I don't think so. I I think Kevin Durant has clearly established himself as the best player in the Eastern Conference so far in this one one month into the season. Yeah, but if LeBron and AD Uh, at times cancel each other out, then why Uh, couldn't he say the same about KD, who also had that happen with Steph Curry back in the day? I I think for that to happen, James Harden would almost have to just have like just an an astronomical season, which I just don't think he's going to do. I think, again, it's the eye test for me with the Brooklyn Nets. Like they're nine and seven and seven and five when Kevin Durant plays, which is like, oh, they should be better than that. But it just feels to me, again, in the Eastern Conference, I wouldn't pick anyone to beat the Nets in a seven-game series right now while Kevin Durant's playing the way he is. I just feel he's that dominant and that impactful. If you take James Harden off that team, even prior to that, I thought, I still think while Kevin Durant's there, the Nets are the best team. Harden improves them, but uh, Durant for me is, is is back to already his best, the best player he was uh, before he had the injury. So okay. I'm, I'm, look, I may be a little biased too because... I have fallen back in love with KD, you know, it's like, uh, you know, he because he was kind of like he was on the outer there for a while when he went to the Warriors, you know, people kind of like that's a bit of a dick move, but he's now gone to another team <laughs> with star players. But it's like, OK, let's let's just uh, let's just not forget that this guy is an incredible talent in the yeah. league. And and like I say, when he's on the court, which other team goes well, we can defend Kevin Durant. You know, that's part of the reason why I say that. like the Nets have got a terrible defense and they allow teams to score. But they have Kevin Durant, so they know that if the game comes close, you want the ball in KD's hands, as we saw the other night against the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay, so Tass, Lili's got LeBron right now as his MVP frontrunner. Trey and I have Joel Embiid at the top of our list, and then we're obviously talking about all these other guys. Who do you have? Yeah, I would go with Joel Embiid as well. I think uh, one guy who's not part of the conversation right now because he contracted the coronavirus is Jason Tatum, who would be... Hmm. I think either one or two, if he was entirely healthy the the entire season, it's usually a a factor is injuries, no doubt. But this year, a factor is the virus. Contracting the virus and missing a couple weeks is huge. Uh, But there's just so many guys that are like middling right there at the top. There's like, I think you could make an argument for, I don't know, I didn't count, but like 10 guys, all the guys you've mentioned uh, are all right there. And LeBron, I think Lee kind of went with him, and a lot of people do because it's sort of a default pick. Yeah, he is the best player on the best team, mm-hmm. but this is the one year LeBron's not even going for it. I mean, he's playing the <laughs> fewest minutes he's ever played. This is his second lowest point total since his rookie season. Uh, he he needs things to motivate him. I think there's a, a reason why they're 8-0 on the road uh, because he's got to get up for games and that he's always loved playing on the road. So this is a season where he's chilling a little bit, you know, only playing 32 minutes a game uh, and Anthony Davis isn't um, playing to his capabilities whatsoever. It's amazing that the Lakers are what they are. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess I'm sort of picking Embiid because, you know, Trey and I picked him last year thinking <laughs> that the jump that came this season would have come last season. Right. And uh, it's 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 there. It's apparent. I don't know how long it's going to last uh, because it's 
It's hard to be an MVP. It's hard to be Giannis Antetokounmpo and go 72 games, uh, the full freaking throttle. So Embiid and Jokic, I would pick because I'm pumped to see them right up there at the top of the leaderboard. It's just, it's, it's an anomaly. I just don't know how long those guys last at the top. So I would pick it while it's there. I think Embiid's MVP case has helped too, that he has a, you know, he's a factor on the defensive end as well. I mean, that's why we're always bumping Giannis up over the last couple of years because you're like, oh yeah, he's also a great defender. He's in the running for defensive player of the year, which I, you know, Embiid is always in the mix too. So I think that's helps him right now. Embiid can win this thing if obviously the Sixers win enough games and he plays enough games. Like he's going to have the counting stats. It's just whether he actually has the, the games played. I mean, I guess he'll have the averages is what I mean, but whether he'll have the games played. It's uh, it's fascinating. I, I am a little intrigued, Lee, that you sort of have Durant so high, and I get it. You, you've fallen in love with him coming back. The league's better watching him. You're watching a ton of Nets games. But like you said, the Nets are what? Nine and seven? And, you know, the Nuggets are a disappointing, what, seven and seven? Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, it's so it's not that much different is what I'm getting at here. And we got Jokic averaging a triple-double, you know, 25, 11, and 10, I think he's still at. Um, but you still have them sort of just outside your top three. But I am with you there, Tass. Like, it's it's very, very close between a lot of these guys. I mean, Luca in the mix. Most, most Maybe, valuable parody. That's what I call yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, of course, Giannis is sort of still in the mix there just with his sheer numbers. Uh, you know, Lillard, obviously, a, a little bit still in play, though they're eight and six. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard on the Clippers, I think, have to, to be uh, considered, too. So there's a ton of guys, but... You know, a lot of us are going with Embiid right now at the top. Lee says LeBron James. He loves a good narrative. I love it. <laughs> He's got it all. It. He's got it all. But but also, again, the Lakers, their their point differential, best in the league. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I'm just giving weight to the fact that LeBron, these numbers are a little bit lower by his standards. But he looks to me like he's in complete control of the league. And right now, there's no one I would pick to beat the Lakers in the finals as, as we are right. today. So that's the right. other thing. Um, well, let's hear from you guys out there. With all of these awards, let us know in the YouTube comments. Shout out to the stream team again. And uh, you can tweet at us at, as well, at No Dunks Inc. Anything else to add to the MVP conversation? Or just I, uh, I, the I table did, is full, I think. We got like I, 10 guys. Yeah, there. you named everybody that's yeah. in the league. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I did say I did say the Warriors weren't in the playoffs. They are actually in the playoffs at eight and seven. I did get that wrong. They're seventh in the, uh, in the to, Western way Conference. Way to correct yourself. Well, yeah. let's get to our, our, our next award. It's most improved player so far. Actually, before you give us your three, Trey, is LeBron in the mix? Because I'm getting ready for people to start up LeBron for most improved because he's added the three-point shot. Like He's like suddenly back to being like a, I guess he did it once before, like a 40% three-point shooter. I'm just waiting for somebody to fire up that take. But who do you have as your top three MIPs right now? Well, at number three, I got LeBron James. He missed that huge three against the Warriors, made a big one last night. So I'm putting him in the mix. It happened last night, so it matters the most. I'm kidding. Skeets, you hate this award. Guess what? I love it. Yeah. Little known fact about me, I was Plano High School's most improved player in 2001. <laughs> I just sucked when I was a junior, honestly. <laughs> yeah, behind, but once I got big I was balling. MIP Trey Kirby. Anyways, here's my top three. At number three on my ballot, Jeremy Grant, 25 points per game this year. That's a 13-point increase. He's career highs across the board. The percentages are steady. To me, this is kind of the Paul Millsap corollary. Shout out to Tom Ziller back in the day. Jeremy Grant has an increased role with the Pistons, but he's maintained his efficiency. He's seizing an opportunity. He's doing it every night. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of questions about this signing in the offseason, but the Pistons got this one right. Don't know about the rest of the moves they made, but the Jeremy Grant one, it looks good. Number two on my ballot, Christian Wood, 23 points per game. That's a 10-point increase. Career highs across the board. Again, percentages are steady. 
he's gone from a curiosity to an established player with star potential, maybe a building block for the Houston Rockets. I really think that that is Christian Woods' team. Like, they did acquire Victor Oladipo. John Wall is there, but that's the future for the Rockets, Christian Wood. And, you know, I think that um, people are loving to dunk on you if you didn't watch the Pistons a lot last year, but Christian Wood also started, like, 12 games for the Pistons. It wasn't a long stretch where he was out there putting up 25 and 10. Now he's doing it pretty consistently. Also a good rim protector, so he's in the mix for me as well. But my most improved player so far is Jalen Brown. You like have been sleeping on Jalen Brown, and he's one of my favorites. Did you realize Jalen Brown is now up to 25 a game, six rebounds, four assists, a steal and a half, career highs from the field, career high from three. He's got better playmaking. His handle has improved. His usage rate is now up to 30. That's superstar level. The Celtics have been balling because he's really knocking on superstar status. Jason Tatum, like Tass said, has missed some games. Kemba Walker missed some games. But Jalen Brown has been there doing it every single night for the Celtics. Really impressive stuff. All right. Didn't see that coming. I like that pick, though. Tass, what do you think about that? Jalen at number one on your leaderboard? That was a great one. No, it threw me for a curveball. I've kind of forgotten about the Jalen bandway. I guess I've just come to accept that Jalen Brown is awesome. Uh, and uh, I don't think of him as a, an improved player uh, because I've been, you know, I, I followed the lead. Every Trey's, you know, jumped on that bandwagon last year and I, I'm on there. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I wonder what happens uh, to his shots when, when Jason Tatum comes back. Uh, he definitely was kicking ass when Tatum was in the lineup earlier this season. He's come back. A little bit to earth. Jalen Brown was shooting like sixty percent from the field, um, but yeah, he's phenomenal. I, I don't know. I, the jump isn't as big than it is for Jeremy Grant, uh, as Trey said. That that and Christian Wood are just those two stand out to me as big jumps. When I look at it at yeah. the Most Improved Player award, it's harder to go from good to great, like Trey did in his senior year at Plano, <laughs> or. You know, these numbers where you just get playing time and you get a role. Uh, Christian Wood is that guy. And Jeremy Grant is just, he he's just phenomenal. It's not like he's gotten, a, uh, you know, more minutes. Uh, the, the numbers are wild. He's taking 10 more shots a game, but the percentages are exactly the same. It's, it's crazy. Uh, yeah. I didn't think that that was going to happen. He has scored 20 or more in 13 consecutive games. That just doesn't happen on good percentages. And, and you know, some say that uh, anybody, somebody has to score, I should say, on the Detroit Pistons. Somebody has to score, but he's doing it efficiently. So uh, he's, he's he's great. I think he's probably the front runner along with Christian Wood, depending uh, the, the last 60 games of the season. Their number increase is just too damn high to deny them. Lili, who you got? Yeah, um, the only other name I would throw in there, I like the Jalen Brown pick, is uh, Chris Boucher from the Raptors. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, he's been incredible, shooting 60% uh, on from the field, averaging 15.5 points a game, 48% from downtown, and six rebounds. So he's clearly uh, having his best season for the Raptors. The Raptors record, obviously, they've, they've started off badly. They lost a lot of games at the start. but uh, He doesn't play he, a ton of minutes either. Well, but yeah, but still, that's that's good, though, for his... Uh, no, that, case, that's good, it? but uh, yeah. I got a little trivia question off of that for you, Lee. Okay. Can you name... Okay, I saw this from Bleacher Report. The NBA hasn't had a most improved player who averaged under 30 minutes since this guy in 97-98. A tough one. This is a tough MIP. We don't talk about this guy a lot. He played for the Hawks for sure. I think he played for the Nets, though I'll fact check that while you guys maybe try and pick it. Yeah. 
He's got a very um well he's got a very common sort of last name. A lot Alan been, Henderson? Yeah, my wow. man. TK coming wow. through with Alan oh, Henderson. Did he play for One the Nets? No, he wonder. didn't. I'm sorry. Uh, no, he played for yeah. the Mavs, the Cavs, and the Sixers at the end of his career. That's what I was thinking of. The Sixers. Um, so anyway, it's very, very uh, tough to do, I guess is my yeah. point. Though Boucher at twenty four minutes per game right now, that could go up if he gets the starting nod uh, yeah. eventually in Toronto. Yeah. Uh the other uh hey, what about this guy? Colin Sexton is averaging 27 points a game for the Cavs. Now, he's only played nine games. He's missed a couple, but he's shooting 53% from the field and 50% from downtown. Only three and a half assists a game, but a steal and a half as well. And obviously, the Cavs have been a much better team uh, in you know this season, last season. But 27 a game over nine games, that's uh, that's not just oh, yeah. a tiny sample size, you know? Yeah. Uh, I had him in the mix as well, but I kind of think he's just on fire right now. The guy cannot miss from outside, yeah. so ergo his scoring stats are going to be the same because when you look uh, deep into it, he's taking the same kind of shots. He's doing the same stuff assist-wise, like you're saying, Lee, uh, but he is on fire, and we just saw him score 20 straight for the Cavaliers, so how can mm-hmm. you not put him in the mix? I love the Jalen Brown pick, I got to say. I, I sort of had forgotten about him. I think I was like tasked. Like I just, you know, we were debating Jalen Brown's all-star capabilities last year, so he's obviously we thought he was a good player, but he's taken it to the next level. I'm not going to disagree with that. Another, hey, what about this guy? Maybe Julius Randle? Yeah. I mean, what he's definitely. doing, I mean, like, I know he's sort of always had good numbers, but they're up this year. And it, obviously it's impacting the Knicks uh, in the win column as well. Um, so and I think he's added some things to his game as well. He's yeah, being he's, asked he to do a ton. So Just missed out on his triple-double again last he night. Did, he did, he did. Nine assists, nine assists. Yeah. So there's a lot of guys. Um, it sounds like most people, probably Jeremy Grant, Christian Wood, uh, and then Jalen Brown is an, is an interesting pick. So let's hear from you. And let's the keep pick for me of Brown is because, like Tass is saying, it is harder to go it to is. good from good to great. And we've already... We've known that Jalen Brown is a good player basically since his rookie year, but you look at the list of guys who have won most improved in the past couple of seasons. It's Brandon Ingram, Pascal Siakam, Victor Oladipo, Giannis back in the day. They're going from established good player to you're making all-star teams, and I think Jalen Brown is going to be an all-star. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Paul George, I think, comes to mind too, right? He sort of right, did yeah, that yeah. leap. And that's sort of where my mind goes to when I think Jalen Brown. So, yeah, no, for sure. If, if that trend continues, then he could win this thing. All right, sixth man of the year. So far, Tass, who you got? Top three. At number three, I'm going with the Philadelphia 76ers, Shake Milton. What a name, Shake. Uh, he has been everything the 76ers have hoped for. 17 points off the bench. He's in the mix for most improved player as well, going from nine points a game last year to 17 this year, nearly 50% for a guard. That's lovely. Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey talked him up in the preseason. This guy's amazing. This guy's amazing. Usually when front office people talk about a player like that, they're just kind of bigging him up. And then in the regular season, he drops off. This guy skyrocketed. He's doing great. Number two, you guys mentioned him, Chris Boucher. He's not your typical sixth man for the Toronto Mm -hmm. Raptors. He's a backup center. I don't. Yeah, he's a backup center. He's a backup big. He's an anomaly. He is one of a kind. Uh, you watch him out there. He's got a un- unique shot. Uh, but he, you know, when you when you think about a six man, you don't think about blocking shots. Uh, but he does a lot of. It. He just does a lot. So from this list, I think Chris Boucher probably does the most because he blocks two and a half uh, shots a game, fifteen and a half points, sixty percent from the floor, forty eight percent from three. Yeah. That's wild. Is that going to come down? Yes. Um, but still, hitting a couple a game, uh, that is that is instrumental for the Raps right now because they're not getting anything from their center play. And yes, it's most likely Chris Boucher will become a center. Or I don't know. Who knows what Nick Nurse does? He's a mastermind. Maybe he's going to keep starting Aaron Baines playing for 12 minutes and Boucher, the better player, coming off the bench. But at number one, with a bullet, the sixth man of the year right now, it's Jordan Clarkson. Mm. 
This guy's found his spot in the league. You think back to his Laker days, he was playing behind Kobe Bryant and he's starting, then he went to the bench and uh, he wasn't great off the bench then. He, he just he just wasn't in his lane. He just didn't know that I'm a scorer. That's what I do. Uh, and then he went to Cleveland and he played behind LeBron and he still couldn't find his role. So that's, that's the point when you had two tries and you haven't found your role. Maybe you're not going to find in this league, but then he got traded to Utah. Had a really good season last year. You know, only had half a season there. And uh, the Jazz are kicking ass this year. And Jordan Clarkson's going along for the ride. Top bench player with 17 and a half points per game. 49 from the floor. 43 from three. Those are great Jordan Clarkson numbers. From blowing kisses to the Jenners to balling. Uh, he is he is the best Jordan Clarkson <laughs> I've ever seen. You know, he was just, he, he looked like a guy who was just going to sort of float around the league uh, for a long time, but uh, he's found a spot. He should never leave the bench ever, ever, ever. He's in a perfect spot. He's a contract uh, deal too, isn't he? He's not paid a ton, if I remember correctly. Four years um, and 50. Got- yeah, so he's making like 11 and a half, that means, or something like that, 12 maybe this year. That's a hell of a bargain deal for Jordan Clarkson coming off your bench. So you're right, he's just having a super efficient year. Uh, off the pine and and he is sort of like the prototypical six man you think of a guy comes in and just shoots and scores and gets you back in games or builds leads and stuff like that and can be out there in closing games too okay Clarkson is uh Tass's pick you agree with that one Trey do you have somebody else I've got almost the same ballot as Tass Clarkson is my guy uh for the number one slot because he's the new J.R. Smith he even dresses awesome to come into games and then he goes out there and shoots every time he's taking a lot more threes this year just like the rest of the Jazz are, and it's yep. really helping him score efficiently. Boucher, number two, but my number three, I got Patty Mills. Yeah, Yeah, Patty Mills, he's kind of emblematic of a fun Spurs bench. He he picks up the pace when he comes in there. The, the Spurs' second unit, I think, is a lot more fun to watch than their first unit, and part of the reason they've been so successful this year. But you could easily go Shake Milton. The only reason I'm really picking... Patty over shake, patty over shake, give me McDonald's, oh, crazy. Uh, but the only reason I'm going with Patty Mills over shake Milton is because I got some more Sixers coming up and some awards here. So I wanted to sprinkle, uh, sprinkle some other stuff here for the Spurs. Okay. Well, Leah, it sounded like you're very happy with Patty Mills making uh, Trey's top three, at least. Yeah. He's having a career best year coming off the bench, shooting the ball, scoring points. And uh, I think he's been instrumental to the Spurs in their win. So uh, I'm glad that Patty is getting that recognition because uh, the Spurs, you know, they're, they're up and down watch. Sometimes you want to watch them. Sometimes you don't, but uh, Patty, He's, he's really grown in that role there in, uh, in San Antonio. And I always say this about Patty that I don't think his shot selection has changed all that much in his entire career. I just think he knocks him in now. Uh, at the start, he used to just fire away. And uh, a bit like Jordan Clarkson, you know, in his first couple of seasons, was like, he just fires away. But now they go in and that makes a huge difference. So, uh, but, but, but absolutely, I agree that uh, Jordan Clarkson would be the, uh, the clear favorite to win this award right now. You had some fun talking to Shane Heal, the hammer about Patty Mills. I oh, finally yeah. got around to listening to it. That came up for sure. It was great. He, yeah. he, was, he sounded like a big Patty Mills fan himself. Shane. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was. Uh, I mean, Shane Heal was a, a bit of a, a, a smaller player, too, in mm-hmm. terms of his stature. And he used to go out there and fire. And so I think he sees a little bit of Patty Mills in himself there. And also sure. played uh, in San Antonio under Greg Popovich, too, there, the hammer. So, yeah. Great. Awesome. All right, Clarkson, all of us taking him for the for the leader right now as sixth man of the year because I agree with you guys. Though, to add on to uh, Boucher and what he's doing off the bench for the Raptors, he leads the league in true shooting percentage and offensive rating right now. Chris Boucher, wild, wild times we're living in here in 2021. All right, rookie of the year. I'll get us started with this. Um, I think it's pretty cool, first off, how many rookies are making like an impact 
right now. Uh, and now I don't know if that's maybe a little bit because of COVID and all like these like guys missing time and with the health and safety protocols and maybe there's more minutes, more opportunities for some of these rooks to get in there. But a lot of guys are like contributing, and we have never here on uh, on No Dunks pretended to be draft experts. But it does seem, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, like this rookie class is already a little bit better than most expected. Um, we have 14 rookies, I think it is, that are slash were, because Killian Hayes is now out with an injury, averaging over 20 minutes per game. That's pretty significant. So a lot of guys contributing. But my top three, Warriors rookie James Wiseman at number three. Um, you know, the numbers will not wow you. Actually, with all of these guys, the numbers aren't going to be like, whoa, that guy's like a 2010 already. It's not like that this year with these rookies. But they're impactful. Wiseman has impressed obviously being the starter there for the Golden State Warriors and and helping. He's had, he has some duds, but then he has some great games where he's like, oh yeah, you could see why this guy was such a high pick. He could be a, you know, a building block. And number two, because of his impact, probably the most impactful rookie, uh, Tyrese Halliburton with the Kings. Fortunately, he hasn't translated into a ton of win for the Kings, <laughs> but he helps them. He definitely helps watch, uh, watch Sacramento Kings basketball when he's out there, averaging 11, 3, and 5. But number one, I'm going with uh, Hornets rookie LaMelo Ball. He's averaging 12, 7, and 6. He leads the rookies in win share, so he's, he's actually having an impact on the Ws. Now, he's only shooting 40% from the field um, and still, like, pretty abysmal for a guard, 68% from the line. But he's hitting over a 3.5 per game, and it's 33%. You know, that you want to get that a little bit higher, but he could. And he's just getting more minutes here. In the new year, he's getting 27 minutes per game. Borrego is trusting him more and more. And he's a human highlight uh, film when he's out there. He's must-watch television. So it's close. Uh, I don't know if you guys agree, disagree, who you have number one. But I got Ball, then Halliburton, and then Wiseman. And, and you could obviously play a what about this guy, I think, with this rookie class. But Tass, what do you think? Do you have Ball number one? Hmm. You're a wise man, but uh, I think you should put James first. James really? Wiseman. Yeah. I think it's tough to be a center in this league right out the gate. Lamelo's got the ball in his what? hands. No, it's more difficult happen. to be a point guard in this league right out of the gate. Yeah, he's playing Sounds backups. like something a point guard would say. Yeah. <laughs> they say big man defense is the hardest thing to learn in the NBA, but I'm sure you're right. Yeah, he doesn't play yeah. much. Anyway, it is a toss-up. This draft class is phenomenal uh, so far. There's no, there isn't one standout. It's sort of like the MVP minus 15 points per game, but there's like a billion that you can, you can talk about. Halberton, he was injured, I guess that plays a role. But anyway, yeah. um, those guys, th- th- yeah, they have impressed coming out the gate. We talked about this whole this draft class from one through 30. Well, is there is there a can't miss prospect? No, there wasn't a can't miss prospect, but they're all you know playing fairly well here to start the season so it's yeah. been a, a pleasant surprise including the number one pick anthony edwards i think who's impressed some people at least uh patrick williams obviously the florist and chicago's played well there's a ton like obviously some knicks as well um yeah who do you have lately though at number one do you go wiseman do you go ball do you go somebody else no, I, I'm going Lamelo Ball too. I, I can excuse the shooting for rookies because hardly any rookies come out there and start uh, shooting high percentages or decent percentages straight away. It takes a few years to work on that. But Melo's doing the rebounds, seven a game, six assists a game, and he's lived up to the hype. And I think that's the hardest thing to do for a rookie because all rookies are hyped to some degree. But mm-hmm. Lamelo, not coming from college, you know, playing down in Australia, it was like, well, he's playing in a in a in a lesser league, but he's playing against men. So will that help him? Will that hurt him? I think he's gone out there. He's come off the bench. He's accepted that role. And he's not afraid to take those shots either. He Again, he's not shooting it great, but he's like, listen, if I'm open, I'm going to take it. So I, I like that about him. Uh, I, I think he's been very, very important for the uh, for the Hornets so far. 
Uh, Wiseman has been good. Wiseman probably started off a little bit better than Mello, but I think Mello's just gotten a little bit more comfortable in the last couple of games. So uh, I would have uh, Mello, Wiseman, and uh, either Edwards or, or Halliburton. Probably Edwards, I suppose, number three. But, uh, you, you know, you're uh, you're finagling the numbers a little bit there anyway. So it's really down to one and two, and I think it's LaMelo ball right now. TK, talk rooks. Who you got? I got the same exact ballot as you, Skeets. Wiseman at three. I do think he's probably playing the most important minutes, playing as a center, the most important defensive spot on the basketball court. As you guys know, I love defense. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? You're switching it up now. I thought you didn't care about defense. Skeets, I'm giving you the backstory here. <laughs> I did win M- MIP in high school senior year because I played defense. <laughs> I hate to say it. It's because I played defense. I was rebounding. I was taking charges. I was setting screens. That's what you got to do when you're the tallest guy in the school. Oh, you but... sandbagging son of a bitch. <laughs> Why do you think I hate defense? I had yeah. to do it my whole life. Let me shoot, Pat. <laughs> anyway, so I got him at number three, but him playing these important minutes is huge, right? Like he's playing on a team that has championship aspirations. They're probably not getting to the finals this year, but this is a team that is a championship organization. They've got Steph Curry. They've got Draymond Green. What he's doing is impressive for a guy who is super young to have to actually step into a playoff situation. Halliburton is the guy that every team wants. He's the next Andre Iguodala to me from a connectivity standpoint. They don't play the same, but just the the extra juice he gives you on the court, the ability to do anything you need, and the ability to keep the ball moving and make the right decision. Incredible from a rookie but LaMelo is the guy. He is a star. He's a building block. He's leading rookies in points, rebounds, assists, and steals. And he needs to play more. Start him already. What are you waiting yeah. for? Yeah, I think we could get an awful close to that. Trivia question with the rookie class. Can you name the guy uh, of all the rookies who plays the most minutes per game? It's not, it's not, it's not anyone we've said. Hmm. Sorry, who'd no. you say, Trey? Uh, it's oh. not anybody we've said. No. It's nobody uh, we've mentioned. Tyrese Maxi. No, no, no. The guy that went top five, I'll give you that. So there's a hell of a giveaway. Okay, who is the fifth draft pick? Yeah. I don't remember anymore. Uh, Okoro, Isaac That's Okoro. That's right, ah. Isaac Okoro. 37.4 minutes per game, uh, which <laughs> seems like, what? It seems almost like an error on basketball reference. But uh, yeah, gets a lot of burn from them out there. They're like, what he can do? Contribute on both ends. No, he's been all right too. He'd be in the mix is what I guess I'm getting at here. But again, like... Definitely uh, quickly for the Knicks is impressed. Um, Peyton Pritchard for the Celtics. I mean, if we're going to do that, Cole Anthony, we've talked about a little bit. Um, so there's been a lot. So it's been uh, pretty impressive. But yeah, who's the star? Who will be like, that's a fun question. Who will be the guy from this rookie class in five years? Like, is it is it Lamelo? Is it Wiseman? Is it Edwards? Is it Patrick Williams? I mean, hmm. I could talk myself into any of those guys being them, to, to be honest. So let's I hear from you guys. It. Yeah, he's, he's played well. I, I wanted to get Williams in there. He has played really well for them, I think. All right, Defensive Player of the Year. Lee, talk defense. We, we almost gave this one to Trey, just to anger him. We'll give it to you. <laughs> uh, I sort of wish you did give it to Trey in the end because when I dug into this one last night, I went down a rabbit hole <laughs> and I was like, oh, I shouldn't have volunteered to do this one because, <laughs> because the Lakers have the best defensive rating in the league, right? Yes. And then it's the Cavs and the Knicks. Yep. And I'm like... Okay, come on. That can't be right. Then you got the Grizzlies. Okay. The 76 is fine. Okay, that's a good defensive team. Then you still got the Mavericks. Remember, they started off the yep, season yep. pretty hot. So I'm like, okay, this must be the be... Jazz around there then, around jazz, the next. Jazz are yeah. next in seventh. Yeah. But okay, I'll, I'll start. At number three on my defensive player of the year leaderboard, I'm going with Miles Turner. Now, he's largely here because he's averaging a massive 4.2 blocks per game. Mm-hmm. Now, he probably would be higher on other leaderboards because people sort of look at those defensive stats and say, wow, 
well, he must be doing well. He must be a great defensive player. The Pacers are only 13th in defensive rating, though. And the more I looked into it, I thought, I don't even know if he's their best defensive player. I think it's Sabonis. The numbers say, Sabonis, they're better when he's on the bench. And I'm like, <laughs> that doesn't jive with what I'm seeing out there at all. Come on, come on. But, and, and also, Miles Turner, I'm reluctant also to put him high because his pick-and-roll defense has improved, but it still needs, it needs work. So he's getting the stats. So he gets in there at number three. Okay, and he's out right now with an injury, of course. Yes. Day to day with an injury. With a, the hand, hand injury, injury, yeah. At number two on my defensive player of the year leaderboard, I'm going with Kawhi Leonard. Now, fourth in steals, third in total plus minus in the league. When he's on the court, no surprise, the Clippers are much better at both ends of the floor, but they have the equivalent, equivalent of about the third best D in the league. And when he sits, it's pretty much as bad as the Kings, the Wizards, Bulls, <laughs> Wolves, Blazers. So... Clearly, Kawhi Leonard, he's won this award before twice, I think. He's a two-time defensive player of the year. Um, but the Clippers' D in total is only 15th in the league. But when he's out there, they are a much better team. And the Clippers have quietly improved after a bit of a sluggish start. His team lost by 50 points, though, as well. So uh, I can't give a guy, you know, tough defensive player of the year when you lose that by that much at home. But at number one, oh, Skeetsy, Skeetsy, you might get angry here. But anyway, oh, I've, got, I've, I've got to go with it. Defensive uh, Number one on my Defensive Player of the Year leaderboard, I'm going with Rudy Gobert, but it probably should actually be Mike Conley. Because when what? Mike Conley... <laughs> no, Mike it Con- should be Mike- Rudy Gobert, mate. You've got it. No, right. listen. When Mike Conley's on the court, the Jazz have the bestie in the league by a mile. And when he sits, second worst. But I'm going with Rudy Gobert because, you know, the, the numbers Because he's show. better at defense yeah, than Mike good, Conley. But, Don't worry. It's a good pick. <laughs> listen. He has more work to do, sure, than Mike Conley. But I think uh, the Jazz, seventh best defensive team in the league. And uh, Rudy Gobert does lead the league in defensive field goal percentage. Listen, let's, how geeky do you want to get with these stats? Well, he's here? like the oh king. Like, yeah. Rudy Gobert is the king of the advanced defensive metrics. It, exactly, exactly. Right. But uh, again, the, the numbers will tell you for the Jazz... This, Mike Conley is their most impactful defensive player. I know, the eye test, well, man. It's different, isn't it? You know, you're like, well, uh, who would you rather have out there protecting the paint? Rudy yeah, Gobert Miles Turner, Mike, not DeMontis Mike Conley, Mike Conley on the, uh, on the perimeter. But um, Mike Conley has played all but 50 minutes this season alongside Rudy Gobert. No, that's the reason his defensive say. rating is so good is because he's on the court with Rudy Gobert. I know, I know. But I don't think we, we, we uh, give him the credit that he deserves. He's a very good defensive player, Mike Conley. But Okay, Ru- that, uh, fine. I can agree yeah. with that. But I wouldn't yeah. say he's the better defensive player. I know, player I know. I'm yeah. going with Rudy Gobert. But I'm okay. just saying, again, when you, when you dig into these numbers and you just go, oh, my God, like... like Conley's like they're, they're the best defense in the league by a mile when he's out on the court. Not with Rudy. It's not right. the same case with Rudy. Right. So the Jazz seventh in the league in defense. You know, you always expect them to be somewhere in that top five mix. So uh, I think that will improve because, again, I'm, I don't see the Cavs and the Knicks staying there all season long. Right. Okay. Tom, so Tom Thibodeau's had an impact, but uh, yeah, I'm going with Rudy Gobert, but I'm like, Mike Conley sort of is going to be the one presenting him with that award. <laughs> Goodness, Rudy, okay. Rudy should at least, if he wins it, he should let Mike Conley carry the award yeah. around. It'll be his third one. It's like, all right, man, just carry it around. You never made an all-star team. You can hang on to my trophy. Yeah. yeah. The, the shocking part here, Lee, to me, is not that you have Rudy Gobert number one. It's maybe who you have to at two and three or who you didn't have at two and three. Um, I think Anthony Davis would still warrant a lot of defensive player of your votes and a Joel Embiid, as we, as we talked about. So, okay, Tass, yeah. 
what do you think of Lee's list there? And you can touch on Con Lee if you want to. <laughs> uh, I mean, let's just throw it out. Lee, you got to stop looking at defensive stats. You got you went into the trade machine this year. Just just start with that, man. This is this is a this is a lot. It's too many numbers uh, for you, mate. Uh, Miles Turner is is a great defender. Uh, I think he could, he could be at the top. But Anthony Davis is leading a Lakers defense that is number one in the league. Uh, by a pretty good amount, which yeah. is shocking to me. Uh, Anthony Davis is not having a great offensive year by his standards whatsoever, but uh, him him and LeBron have somehow got everybody on that team to play defense, even though they lost Avery Bradley, who was a starter for much of the year. Uh, they lost Danny Green. They lost Dwight Howard. And then they stopped in some, some good defenders, some not-so-good defenders, and they've got the number one defense. So I think AD uh, would probably get it if you look back and – see that Giannis won it last year with the number one defense. Uh, you know, it, it sure seems like Anthony Davis would be given that nod this year. And he was pretty close last year as well. So, yeah, I, I did not volunteer for this award because <laughs> I, I don't like looking at defensive numbers. I don't yeah. think they mean all that much. Uh, it's, it's really just about impacting the game. And, yeah, Rudy is really, really good, but they should be even better. And uh, Miles Turner is really, really good. I think they should be even better. Uh, so, yeah, I think just even looking at the best defensive teams uh, is is probably the most important metric to look at. What do you got, TK? Well, I actually got Miles Turner as my number one because wow. I love looking at the stats. This is actually <laughs> the worst award because you've got to look at the stats. He is by far the best rim protector in the league right now. The Pacers have the league best defense when he's on the court. He's also <laughs> averaging a steal and a half as a big guy, 4.2 blocks, leading the league and the lowest defensive field goal percentage at the rim while challenging the most shots at the rim. Rim defense is the biggest part of defense in the NBA because a dunk is still the best shot in basketball. So if you're able to deter them, then that's good. The only knock on Turner is that he doesn't rebound, but DeMontis Sabonis does rebound. Lee, like you're saying, you would maybe think that DeMontis Sabonis is the best defender on the Pacers, but he's not very good at the rim, to be quite honest. The other guys I would have in the mix, Joel Embiid, he gives you the rebounding that Turner doesn't, and the pace or uh, the Sixers have been good, and Rudy Gobert, obviously still elite, but I've got Embiid at number two over Rudy Gobert because Embiid doesn't have a lockdown guy like Mike Conley out there helping him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I like everybody getting all these guys in here. I go Rudy Gobert. I actually think he's sort of running away with it at the one-month-in mark, although all these other guys are phenomenal defenders, Turner, Davis, and Bede. Yes, Mike Conley as well. But, you know, Rudy, second-best defensive rating, second-most defensive win share, second-most blocks, third-most rebounds, and, like, that's his role, his goal. Like, what I love about these Rudy Gobert lines you're seeing from all these Jazz wins is, like, not Rudy, 18, 20, 22 points. It's like 13 points, and then there's 12, 13 rebounds, and then it's like three blocks, and then we know how much he just deters as well. And yeah, you're right. The Jazz team defense feels like it should be higher, Like, but seventh is still good. And I'm sure if we really you know dig into it, like I don't have it in front of me, but what's the gap between the second best defense in the league and the seventh best defense in the league this early in the season? I'm sure it's pretty close. I don't, though. I do agree with. Uh, I think Tass said it. The Lakers are sort of a, you know, a marginal or not marginally, quite impressively, a little bit better than whoever's in second. But I go Rudy Gobert. Let's hear from you guys. No one wanted that award. That was the last <laughs> one filled in in our document. You know, I, I asked Tass or uh, Lee who wants it, and Lee put up his little emoticon hand. So I was like, oh, okay, I guess Lee's into it. Mm-hmm. I knew Tass was avoiding it. He was like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. I didn't want to do it, obviously. But mm-hmm. I signed it, up for it, Coach it, of the Year rather than talk about defense. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's the thing, though, with defense. I think it is more about sort of eye test and feel. It's like they are just a better defense than the stats necessarily right. say. Because, like, look at Andre Drummond. Look at Andre Drummond's defensive numbers. Yeah. Okay. 
And you just got done talking about the Cavs being one of the best defensive teams in the league. He leads the league in rebounding by a mile. Yeah. He's got tons of blocks and steals. I mean, he's a and decent defender, but we don't even we hadn't even included him in the conversation here. So what up with that? Yeah, and Larry Nance Jr., I believe, leads the league in total steals and deflections. Right. You wouldn't know one saying Larry Nance Jr. Is, is in contention for defensive player of the year, but he's doing this counting numbers and it's having an impact on his team. And Isaac Okoro leads the league in minutes played per game for rookies. <laughs> Nobody's talking about it. And him. the sex man's up to 27 a game. Yes. The Cavs are going to win the championship. Yes, <laughs> we have determined that. Okay, well, maybe uh, the Cavs are in running for Coach of the Year. That's our final award. <laughs> Trey, you wanted this over Defensive Player of the Year, man. Let's talk about guys in, well, I was going to say suits, but they're not in suits anymore. They're polos. Who do you have? Let's talk about guys in quarter zips. Let's talk about guys named Steve who often wear quarter zips. Let me tell you from personal experience, coach of the year candidates. Number three for me, you know it, Billy Donovan. (laughs) The Bulls made one change in the offseason. They brought in a new coach. They said it's time for Billy Ball. And now we all recognize that the Bulls are 100% totally and fully back. Their record could be even better than it is. But there are so many guys that you could put into this number three spot for uh, teams that have kind of exceeded expectations. My number two on the ballot, Taylor Jenkins of the Memphis Grizzlies. Talked mm. about it on Wednesday's show. My biggest surprise of the season so far. They've gotten five games from Ja and Jaron. They're seven and six playing as a top five defense. And I think defensive coaches get a lot of cred in the coach of the year voting because it's all about scheme and it's all about buy-in. Both of those things are a factor for Taylor Jenkins here. Everybody's playing hard. And they're forcing a whole bunch of turnovers. It's working in Memphis. Or as uh, that song goes, it's working in Memphis. But my number one by a mile, Doc Rivers, is coach of the year. For me right now, the best record in the Eastern Conference. More importantly, it looks like he made sense of this roster pretty quickly. They've been a ragtag bunch. They've had Embiidon Simmons and Harris there for the majority of it. Embiid and Harris look particularly unlocked. Doc Rivers just seems to know how to get the best out of Tobias Harris. Has him making quick decisions. Has him getting good shots and moving the ball. And Embiid, like we talked about, is an MVP candidate. The last piece of the puzzle will be figuring out how to get the best from Ben Simmons. But Doc Rivers has figured things out so far the first month of the season. So I have some confidence he'll get the best out of Ben Simmons as the season progresses. Lee, what do you think? This one's a, a tough one, I think, because there's so many teams that feel like they're eight and six or seven and <laughs> yeah. seven that you may be heading into the season. You're like, ah, uh, they might be like uh, at this point in the year, like lucky to have four wins, right? Um, so, so what do you think of, of Trey's list, and then who you would have? Yeah, I like that list. I like Jenkins because I think they really did so well when uh, Jar Morant was out, yeah. and of course they haven't had Jaron Jackson Jr. So I think that's uh, really important. I think the uh, the Doc Rivers bump is like, okay, he's got the Sixers playing to that level. It's like, can you unlock this? Allen, can you get them to work together? The offense has looked so much better than it has in years gone by. So I think he deserves credit for that. Um, then it comes down to like Frank Vogel didn't win it last year for the Lakers. But if the Lakers win, let's say they win 60 games this yeah. year. How can he not be coach of the year? You know, because it's not like, well, he got it last year. Like Coach Budenholz is not going to get it. Even if the uh, Milwaukee Bucks win from here on out, he's just not going to get it. But I think someone like Frank Vogel could just be like, well, let's just give it to him. You know, why not? I mean, he's got the Lakers playing really well. Ty Lue's got the Clippers playing really well as well. And what does this award, is this award about uh, improvement over last season, a new coach in a new situation? Or is it just like, uh, let's just give it to this guy? Like Nate Bjorkren, you know, the, the yeah, Pacers, they're surprising as well. And they, yeah. they were, they've lost their last couple. They were eight and four. They got off to a good start. So so many coaches have a different uh, uh, storyline or a narrative that they could choose. I think ultimately, though, because Vogel didn't win it last year, his record could put him in the box seat to win it. 
Mm. I can't believe you didn't go with one of your two favorite teams in like a Bickerstaff <laughs> with the Cavs or or Tibbs with the, the Knicks. I mean, those yeah. are 500 teams right now that not a lot of people expected. Yeah, I'll get to the Knicks uh, when we talk about the games a little bit there uh, okay. later on. But um, yeah, they, look, they've had an improvement. And, and Bickerstaff has got the Cavs playing uh, exciting basketball as well. Will they mm-hmm. be able to sustain it, though? That's the question. Tass, coach of the year. Take us home. Who do you have at the top of your leaderboard? Mm. You guys named all the coaches? Uh, I think <laughs> if uh, Nate Bjorkren... Didn't lose Miles Turner, his best defender, last couple of games. Everybody be singing a little bit of a different tune sure, for Nate sure. Bjorkren uh, because he really has those guys playing. Uh, they have they have impressed me a lot. And so, yeah, you named them all, though, and uh, we've got a top 10 coach of the year ballot. That's, uh, <laughs> well, you know, I don't think we have I just like saying Nate Bjorkren's name as well. It's a it's good a, name. It's a great name. Um, because if we're naming Doc Rivers in helping the Sixers, who you can maybe argue – they were helped out with the personnel they brought in to add a little more shooting around them. So maybe executive of the year to Maury there, but whatever. Well, what about Ty Lue with Doc's old team? They're damn good too. And he's the new coach there. He's the new voice. I think they're playing a little more fun, uh, but no one wants to talk about the Clippers. Everyone's done talking about them. We're, we're waiting yeah. until the playoffs with them. They were also pretty I'm awesome last year in the regular season. I know they were, but uh, you know, so, so were, I mean, I guess, yeah, the Sixers did disappoint. They weren't, mm-hmm. it's not like they were out of the playoffs though. They were still winning games, but I hear you. That's fine. Hey, it's your list. Doc at the top. Let's hear from you guys out there. Uh, that worked really well, I think, uh, going through our top three candidates. Let's hear from you guys in the stream team and tweet at us at No Dunks Inc. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, well, let's get through those games from last night. Only three on. Task, get us started. LeBron and the Lakers open a long trip here by beating the Bucks 113-106. Big takeaway. Well, the Lakers can do whatever they want. That's the biggest takeaway. When it came down to the last few minutes, LeBron said, all right, uh, I'm taking over. Now, a part of that is the Milwaukee Bucks, and we've talked about the the Lakers already. Their defense is phenomenal. They know who the heck they are when it comes down to winning time. Uh, Everybody just hang around and watch LeBron do his thing. They're great. The Bucks, on the other hand, they're not uh, causing fear in another team whatsoever. They keep winning games. They definitely do. But when it comes down to crunch time, when it comes down to playing really, really good teams, the other team on the other side thinks that they can win. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's that's just the way it works. They believe that if they find something that works, that Mike Boonholzer isn't going to change uh, enough in his scheme to adapt. And it keeps showing through. They, they just can't find a way to beat these great teams. Now, Chris Middleton has the ball more in his hands than Giannis does uh, at the end of games, which is kind of like the playoffs last year, which is probably the better recipe. But I think 
when it comes down to it, Drew Holiday needs to get it more. When it comes down to it, it's just guys who can make shots. And Yanis isn't a creator when it comes down to the last few minutes. He's got to play second man or third man. And they've got to figure this out now. Uh, they've got to figure this out before they get to the postseason. They just need more bucket makers. And, and so, yeah, they can, just like in a game, they'll get down to the last few minutes. They'll beat the bad teams. Just like in the regular season, they're going to win a lot of games. But when it comes down to the postseason, this was... This was exactly what we saw with the Miami Heat last year. The Heat figured it out. Bucks couldn't adapt. And the LeBron just kept getting switches. Good night. I yeah. mean, even Montrez Harrell in the post kept getting switches. Good night. Uh, it's it's just too easy. And then on the offensive end is a worry too, like I like I mentioned. So uh just just scared. Scared for the Bucks future. Uh but the Lakers are obviously, yeah, number one with the bullet. They're awesome. Yeah, the Lakers offense there for a good stretch down uh in the fourth there was like Post up Trez, post up AD. The double has to come. It's going to come because there's a smaller Bucks player on them. And then those guys are just going to kick it to KCP in the corner or Caruso wide open in the corner. Right, Trey? Like it felt like that happened like four or five times. And good on Vogel and, Le- and LeBron and the Lakers for going back to back to back to back. Just keep running into the ground because as Tass said, Boonholes are slow to adapt or switch up the defense. Like maybe try something else. Uh, you know, like I think in that instance, I always think of someone like Nick Nurse might try something else. There, right, let's go zone or let's drop back in coverage and let's not switch so easily. But what did you think? Yeah, I think it was at halftime of this game, right? That Shaq said the big man is back, and we were talking about, wow, this is great. This is a I love seeing all these big bodies banging down low. Uh, But yeah, you're right. And honestly, the Bucs should watch the tape of the Lakers and see how they're getting the ball into the post every time. Because Giannis did have a nice post bucket there in the fourth quarter. Hit like a little fadeaway sort of dinker dumper from probably nine or ten feet. And that's how he's got to get involved on the offensive end when it comes down to clutch time. Because he doesn't strike fear in people's hearts with uh, regards to having the ball on the perimeter when it's the fourth quarter. It seemed like the Lakers decided we're going to try and take a charge on Giannis every single time he comes into the <laughs> into the lane, and that seems to be the recipe for how you stop him. Because if you're if you if you're just waiting for him, if you're building the wall there, you're either going to get send him to the free throw line where he has struggled, or you're going to get the call. You're going to get the charge, and it's going back down the other way. There's got to be other ways to get Giannis involved offensively. He's a pretty solid passer. I don't. He's not LeBron passing. As we all know, that's his greatest strength. But you still got to be able to get him the ball in the post. Let him go to work. Let him get some buckets because he's your MVP. And yeah, I, I agree that Middleton has been balling. He's been cooking. He's the best option for the Bucks. And also, it would be nice to get Drew Holiday involved. But there's a reason that Giannis is the MVP. The guy can be automatic when he's in the post. Maybe he needs a little bit more booty to be able to displace people because he's still tall. He's got a high center of gravity, especially with those giant shoulders. I think that there is opportunities uh, for Giannis to be an even better post player. But I don't know. It doesn't seem like that's going to be happening right now. The good thing for the Bucks is that, yeah, it's scary for the future with regards to this season. Maybe they don't win the title, but at least Giannis signed before the season. Because if this was the case right now, if you just saw him lose to the Nets and Lakers and back to back in a back to back scenario, that would be really scary hours. That's a good point. Yeah, Lakers did a good job of keeping Giannis off the free throw line last night. Even though you want to put him there at times, Lily, he only had four free throw attempts, uh, hit mm-hmm. two of them, and he had nine turnovers too. So, uh, you know, obviously you want to shore up that. But what did you think from this game? Yeah, uh, I would be very concerned about the Bucks because in those two big games, as as you mentioned, they trade Nets and Lakers. Uh, the Nets 
they won the game. It was a close game, of course, but I didn't feel this one last night was actually particularly close. I felt the Lakers were in complete control of this game because well, sort of, it was incredible. It got to a two point game. Yeah, uh, it, like, like they made they, they did make a push there, yeah. but then the uh, the Lakers answered. And one guy who I have been critical of of the past, who's having actually an incredible season for the Lakers, is KCP. Mm-hmm. He is very very important for them offensively and defensively. The numbers right now, you know. 11 points a game. He's shooting 55% from the field, 57% from three. Now, he doesn't do a ton else in terms of the actual stats, but I think defensively, they know. They've got a guy who's like, go and defend this guy. Put you on this guy. Rotate around. And if he's open, he knocks down that shot every time. He's really more comfortable in his role. He's grown. He's matured as a player and uh, become a very sort of quietly important player for what they do. They can rely on him now. And that's something they couldn't do in the past. So I think that's important. But I felt, particularly in the second half, and again, you know, when we're talking about MVPs this morning, watching LeBron last night, I'm like, that that is kind of how I still feel about LeBron. He's not scared at all of the Bucks, Not at all. I don't think he he's concerned that, uh, that they could take him down in a seven-game series. Because as good as Giannis is, he still forces it a little bit too much on the offensive end. And teams like the Lakers will say, if you go inside, yeah, that's a handful. You're a handful inside. But we'll live with you shooting the ball anytime you want. We'll just live with that right now. And the Lakers, instead, they have guys who can hit those threes. And uh, it just it just feels like the Lakers have that confidence that they're not intimidated by the Milwaukee Bucks. So early in the season, still time to improve. But uh, a couple of worrisome signs. Hasn't been a great week here for the Bucks. No. Lakers shot 19-37 from three. Uh, Coldwell Pope had seven of them. LeBron had six. Quick trivia, what's the career high for LeBron? Most threes made in a game. Eight. My man Lee Ellis did eight a couple times in his career. Yeah. Yep. Uh, six is a lot for LeBron. <laughs> like, and uh, it's, it's, yeah. uh, he's added it, though. He is feeling comfortable with that three-point shot right now. He is, it's money right now. Well, yeah, I will when, say, when, too, if you, were, if you were holding out hope that Giannis could go back-to-back-to-back for MVP— it's not a chance in not the world. No. There was no chance at the start of the season, tried telling you about it, but— if you were still holding out hope, I think last night, it's gone. It's, it's just this. I don't care what he does from here on out. There's no way he's doing it. He's when still LeBron, awesome. He's still awesome. When LeBron, though, gets that little strut going at the sort of top left-hand side, that left wing where he sort of rubs his shirt, it's like, oh yeah, I am just going to – I might step back into three. I might drive inside, but it doesn't really matter what you guys do. I'm just going to do something here. And it, it, that's disrespectful. That's like LeBron you know, twirling the ball against I was going to say, as a Raptors fan, uh, <laughs> we're well aware of LeBron yeah, wiping his body or spinning the ball or yeah, looking like, like this like, is going to be easy. Yeah. Okay, next game here. Donovan Mitchell helps the Jazz beat the Pelicans for a seventh straight win. Trey, big takeaway. Well, as predicted, the Jazz, we're going to go on a huge winning streak, and we're going to start talking about him. Like you said, Skeet, seven straight right now, thanks to huge games from Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley. Mitchell, that guy was magnificent last night. He's got every shot. He's got every pass. And at his best, he finds the balance between the two of them, and he's in control. And that's what it's been for a lot of this season. He's still an explosive scorer, but I feel like he's just a – his decision-making and his control of the game has gotten a lot better. Mike Conley is giving the Jazz exactly what people expected last season. He's another playmaker. He's another scorer. And the team is taking a ton of threes with Bogdanovich back. Clearly, there's an emphasis on getting more attempts up. They're taking 41 a game this year, 35 a game last year. Maybe you put Quinn Snyder in the Coach of the Year yeah, conversation yeah. just for that little change there saying, hey, we can shoot some jumpers. Let's make them three-point jumpers. They're yeah. going in right now. They've been one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league and that opened things up for Rudy Gobert to just dunk inside whenever he needs to. Mitchell was awesome, but afterwards it was all about what people were saying about Donovan Mitchell as Tass went into on what you need to know earlier today. 
Just a completely unnecessary conversation. The man had 21 points in the first half, and we're trying to decide if he's going to be a top five player for the rest of his career. Why? Yes. Literally, why? I think we'll uh, we'll get to that probably mm-hmm. in worst of the week coming up here. Yeah, Shaq. <laughs> it's, uh, it's the post game when Donovan Mitchell crazy. Uh, good win from the from the Jazz. Mike Conley, your uh, defensive player of the year candidate, Lee, <laughs> after the game said, our ability to turn up our energy level a couple of notches, especially defensively, is making the difference. Because they did turn it up in this game. And they have a couple times here where they just like, it's like suddenly just like you can't score on them. Uh, yeah. And that helps out those huge runs. So, you know. And the Pelly's yeah. putting out 43 in that first oh, quarter. Yeah, yeah you know, no. That, that's, I mean, the Jazz almost wouldn't give up that many more for the rest of the game, you know, I mean, when they really locked down. I mean, the, the Pelicans have some offensive weapons, but their defense right now is uh, needs some work. Needs yeah, Tass, anything to, to add to this one? The Pelicans got a lot of things to work on. Yeah, they came back with a, with a 43-point first quarter because they played a baseball doubleheader. That happens. Game right. two, it's just like a series, in a playoff series. Game two, a team comes back. But, man, Eric Bledsoe and Lonzo Ball stopped going to the rim after the first quarter, and uh, they've got some serious shooting problems. The Jazz know who they are. Uh, the Pellies are, are still learning. So, uh, I, I, it's tough in the Western Conference, man. It's just tough to... You got a great Zion Williamson, um, but you need some guard play. Final game from last night. R.J. Barrett scores 28. As the Knicks beat the Warriors for their third straight victory, Knicks are 500 lately, 8-8 here, 16 games in. Uh, Again, R.J. Barrett's been cooking over his last five. He's averaging like 22 points per game, shooting the ball really, really well. What's your big takeaway from this one? So the Knicks are 8-8. Eight eight. They've won three in a row. They lost five in a row, and now they've won three again. So they're a sure. little bit up and down, uh, but their defense has improved clearly right now. Uh, will that be uh, the way the entire season? I'm not so sure, but very, very good so far. Uh, two big talking points, though, really, for this one. The first one, uh, Obi Toppin had two dunks, and the comparisons to how he looks to Amari Stoudemire are just incredible. The way <laughs> that he goes up there, dunks, and then he just the way he runs down, he wears that number one. It's like he does look like baby Amari out there. <laughs> But, of course, the big talking point really is the ejection of Draymond Green in the second quarter there um, for yelling at his teammate, James Wiseman. (laughs) And the referee thought he was yelling at him, hit him with his second tee, and he got ejected. Now, the Warriors obviously were not happy with that. Uh, Steve Kerr tried to challenge the ejection of the technical (laughs) Um, But then Steve Kerr said after the game that the ref said, oh, okay, that was a mistake. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize that. And this is something I think the NBA needs to look at, like, when a guy gets ejected and he's obviously out for the rest of the game, but if then they admit at halftime they made the mistake with a minute to go in that uh, second half, uh, in the uh, second quarter, why not say, okay, we rescind it and we bring it back into the game? I mean, now, Steve Kerr didn't use this as an excuse. He said, we were playing badly anyway. We lost that game. We deserve to lose. He didn't say we lost because of the ejection or point at the refs. But I, I, it's so disappointing to me that the refs can make such a, a mistake that can have such an impact on a game and not be able to correct it, even when they acknowledge it with still time to be able to correct that mistake. Because we, we, uh, you know, with coaches' challenges and in the last two minutes, you can challenge things and you can get the call right. Well, this would have only cost them just over a minute. Why not just put your hand up and say, okay, yeah, we got that wrong. Sorry, it was a young referee too. So uh, that's uh, just a bit of a concern. Again, the the Warriors aren't using this as an excuse for losing the game, but I think there's there's a way to get this call right and to sort of acknowledge that the referees made the wrong costly decision. Yeah, but it was fun to watch, especially (laughs) in an empty arena where you can always hear Draymond Green talk. 
But in an empty arena, it was bouncing off the walls, like many people in their Zoom rooms right now. The wall, it was just, it was echoing. Like I turned up the volume to make sure I heard what I heard. Like he, he, he yelled at uh, James Wiseman. He's pissed that Wiseman didn't seal off his defender, mm-hmm. uh, and he turned the ball over. And it looked like, yeah, he was yelling in the direction of Wiseman, but the ref was right there. That was weird. It was, it was, it was so, so strange. Like the referee must have known. Like Steph. Like they, it, yeah, the, I agree. The, Everyone was it, like, he wasn't yelling at you. Like yeah. everybody. Uh, like, here's what I think. What you're saying is a little extremely. Like they admitted the mistake at halftime. The better like way to handle that, I think, would have been for the referees just to come together there and sort of talk it out and go, yeah, Draymond Green never shuts up. He's always yelling at people. Well, I don't think he, you know, was he yelling at you? Uh, you know, uh, I think it was John Butler, I think, was the official that actually tossed him, the second year official. Like, and he maybe would have been like, ah, maybe he wasn't, you know? Like, uh, I think they just should have maybe talked it over a little bit more and said, okay, th- that was a mistake. You're good. Let's just play ball here, in my, in my opinion. But, you know, at the same time, if Draymond doesn't pick up his first technical for just you know, arguing with the officials too long. That was what the first one was for, right? It wasn't because he was yelling at someone else on the floor and one of his teammates. You know, well, that's sort of the game you're playing here with the way you, you go about it. You, you might accidentally get one and then you've really hurt your team. So I think they should have just got together though and really with reasoning said, okay, yeah, he wasn't yelling at me. He's yelling at James Wiseman, who he's always yelling at. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we, we see it though as well. They almost never, I don't, think rescind a technical foul even when sometimes you've seen a bad call a player will say hey that's a bad call the replay the replay will clearly show a bad call and the referee will still give you a technical foul for that and it's like well that should be rescinded in that case as well yeah can i can i give you a technical foul though if you just like use vulgar language even if it's not directed at me can that be considered unsportsmanlike? Well, I mean, you, you see Kelly Oubre getting a technical foul for blowing a kiss to his opponent. Right, right. I mean, so I would taunting. say, yeah, you know. so I would say, yeah, if you really yeah. want to, you think that's unsportsmanlike? Sure. But, even but it's it one thing, you. you know, Jeff Van Gundy complains a lot about everything, but that's one thing he's right on is like, you you compound the mistake if you give a guy a technical foul for when you made a bad or wrong call that was clearly wrong. I, I think mm-hmm. that's something the NBA should be able to at least say, okay. Yeah, we made the mistake. The referees made the mistake. It's okay to admit that rather yeah. than, like I say, in this case last night, the referees got it wrong and it cost Draymond half a game. Yeah. So I think you can. I think there is middle ground here where you can fix a problem like that. Also, the Knicks are good. Yeah. I mean, just throw that in there. I think if Draymond are, Green plays in this game, the Knicks still might win this one the way he played the part. Probably do. And, and again, that Steve Kerr didn't say we lost because of that. No, so no. It, with no one's, no one's giving disrespect to the Knicks. They played a great game. But, you know, guy, a guy got sent out for half the game, the second best player on the team, over the wrong court. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anything to add here, uh, Trey? I hate referees. Draymond yeah. <laughs> like Green, get them out of here. But there are guys who get reputation technicals, and that's exactly what this was, was Draymond. He was yelling, like Tass was breaking down on what you need to know. Was he yelling at Tom Thibodeau? It did look like maybe they were going to throw down. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we've seen it happen with Boogie before. Even when Draymond... Uh, was suspended for a game after the Steven Adams nut kick. The only reason he actually was suspended was because he picked up that crazy technical or flagrant with Michael Beasley in the first round against the Rockets. Remember, like he threw him at the end of the game for literally no reason. It just comes back to haunt you eventually, but relax, James Butler. I don't like knowing referees. John, I didn't John, John Butler. Oh, James Butler is Jimmy Butler's brother. <laughs> yeah, but John Butler, get out of here, man. Just chill out. You're right, Skeets. Have a little conversation. Talk to the yeah. guy. Hey, were you yelling at me? No, I was yelling at James. Fine, carry on. 
Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, Tess said, like, everybody on the floor, like, immediately, like, he wasn't yelling at you. Like, Steph Curry, the voice of reason. I mean, I know it's his teammate. He's going to want to keep him out there. But even Steph is like, I feel like he's a trustworthy guy. I think if, if Steph had seen Draymond actually yelling at John Butler, he's like, eh, what are you idiot? What are you doing? Like, just shut up. You already got one tech. But he was like, no, nah, he wasn't yelling at you. He's yelling at the rookie, man. Uh, this is what he does. I do have a trivia question off of this, though. Ooh. Real quick one. Oh, Green's oh, 11th career ejection, okay, guys? Uh, for the third most in the NBA since he made his debut in 2012. Can you, got, can you name the two guys who have more ejections since 2012 during that span? Okay. Boogie Cousins, yeah. Um, Trey already threw him in there before I even asked the question. It was fantastic. He's number one with 13, and this guy's got 12. You can get it. Dwight? Dwight Howard? No, 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 no. no. Westbrook? No. I know he's always high on technicals. Yeah, technically, yeah. This is an ejection. Pat Pat Beverly? No, no. Um, He's a bigger guy. You know, he's like a power forward guy, small forward, power forward. And, uh, well, there's, I mean, maybe, I don't want to give it away too much. Well, let's just say there's basically two of them. Oh, uh, Morris. Morris. <laughs> Morris. And uh, M- Morris. Yeah, yeah. Markeith Morris with 12. Cousins yeah. with 13. And that was Green's 11th career ejection. I'm not sure if that counts the playoffs, though. So who knows? All right. Final piece of news here. Just quick. Cavs have agreed to trade Kevin Porter Jr. to the Houston Rockets for a heavily protected future second round pick. I mean, heavily protected. It's like top 55 protected. Meaning that it probably will never even convey. So it was sort of for nothing, but that's fine. We knew the Cavs were moving on from him. They were going to wave him or trade him. And they got maybe something, uh, you know, a pick in the second round at the end, possibly. But this is good. Um, I like the team that Kevin Porter Jr. is going to here. I know others have pointed this out. The Rockets intend to have assistant coach John Lucas work closely with this kid. And uh, that's good because Lucas has helped several NBA, um, some NFL players to overcome personal issues, to have successful careers. You know, he, he, did, it, he did so himself, uh, John Lucas. So he you know, speaks from experience here. So I like that. That makes sense. And like, why wouldn't you do this if you're the Rockets? I think this is like fantastic for them, potentially, if Kevin Porter Jr. can get everything else, uh, not really even the basketball skills, uh, in check. I don't know if there's anything to add, Lila. You're nodding your head. I, I feel like you feel the same way. Yes, okay. <laughs> Let's get to worst of the week. Ladies and gentlemen, the worst of the week. All right, I asked the people out there, what do you got for me? Some great answers this week for worst of the week. I'll fire through some of the answers that people gave to me. Nook No Further wrote, Kyrie showing up to play against the Cavs and getting roasted by a gentleman with the last name of Sexton wearing his old Cavs number. Well, Kyrie did have a pretty good game himself. He had 37 in that game. But I take your point. Thank you for your contribution. The Life of Kate W. writes, Task for calling the YouTube fans here stream team rather than team stream. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I call them Team Stream. See, I always mix that up. I always mix that up. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's the Stream Team. But yeah. I always, I always, can. it's just, that's just how my brain works. Um, uh, Mig Z writes, Lee Ellis's chest hair. Yeah, we oh, showed, we showed this photo. Yeah, yeah, come on. Yeah, you know, there it is. Wow, what a zoom in, JD. What a zoom in to Lee's Chester. That's a photo of him. Check our social media pages if you haven't seen him attending the U.S. Open in 2001 in a linen. Was that it, Lee? Two, I think it was 2002. Wow, yeah. you got trim on that linen shirt, too. It's not just like a flowing shirt. Yeah, look it looks at the embroidery like, on that. Yeah, yeah there's some detail on that thing. 
Wow. <laughs> I, it was a very comfortable shirt, I will say that. <laughs> no, you were barely you relaxed, my man. Uh, John Ford 99 chimed in with a basketball one. Again, it's the Timberwolves. Oh. That's a fair yeah. point. Uh, yeah. Walker Davidson uh, chimed in. Five-game losing streak. The Kangs are back, baby. Um, this one was a great one. Romantic 2, the reporter who called Steph Wardell. Now, there's a reporter yeah. who said, excuse me, Wardell, what do you think about that? In the, and Steph looks up. If you haven't seen the clip, I'm sure we'll get into whoopsies next week. Check out our YouTube channel. Because, uh, you know, it's timeless. I don't even know when it happened, but YouTube videos, you can plop in a video from whenever. Who cares? Uh, so some, A referee called him Wardell. He wasn't angry or anything. He was just uh, a little bit shocked. This gentleman here, only here for move one, writes, Lee's claim... That Facundo Campazzo's pass, the pooper pass, was the best play of the season. Now, did I miss it, or was this called the pooper pass? Because I think <laughs> no, he called it that. That's a great. That's a great name. Yeah, that's why. That's the only reason I included it because the pooper pass. He dropped it through his own legs. It's a very good name yep. for a pass. Uh, anybody who drops a pass between his own legs, pooper pass. That's great okay. stuff. That's good. Uh, Muhammad Hassan writes the Heat announcer Eric Reed calling Wedgie a doink. Yep. Yeah, I didn't get to chime in with you guys on this one, and this is really near and dear to my soul. Uh, I'm not so mad at Eric Reed like you guys are. Uh, he's an old head. Uh, we've watched basketball for a long time. A lot of old heads called some weird names. Eric Reed called it a doink. Uh, there was a Jim Sparnarco called it a uh, Spinarco called it what do you call it? Neckball. Neck and Ralph Ref, Ralph Lawler, Clippers, longtime Clippers man, he called it wedgie. Now Eric Reed just doesn't know that. Ralph Lawler's wedgie call has been popularized, and now you don't call it anything but wedgie. But Eric Reed's an old head, you know? He likes numbers like Lee Ellis. Uh, he likes saying <laughs> Hassan Whiteside just came down with his 13th rebound that season. That gives him 40,000 rebounds, you know? He's, he's just an old head. That's okay. I'm okay with it, guys. I know you're angry. I'm not. Okay. He should know, first off, it's a wedgie. And then, on top of that, the doink makes no sense, as Trey pointed out. A, a doink does not stick. A doink, mm, doink, doink stick. That's a, 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 you're you're spot on with that, TK. But that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I believe though the next wedgie called by Eric Reed will be called a wedgie. I have faith totally. in Eric Reed. I do. Okay, so some some really good nominees. The Timberwolves a great one. They're just they're yeah. falling apart, especially with Carl Anthony Towns contracting the virus. Hope he gets well. Eric Reed, sure. Lee Ellis's hair, sure. Uh, but. We got a late nominee here Thursday night. We briefly mentioned it. Shaquille O'Neal and Donovan Mitchell had a conversation, if that's what you want to call it, after Donovan Mitchell's great game. Let's have a listen. Part of this is Shaq. I, I said tonight that uh, you are one of my favorite players, but you don't have what it takes to get to the next level. I said it on purpose. I wanted you to hear it. What do you have to say about that? All right. That's it. <laughs> that's it? All right. That's it. Okay, cool. I mean, I you to hear it. I've been hearing, well, Shaq, I've been hearing that since my rookie year. You know, I'm just going to get okay, better and well, do what I do. Good. At the end well, of the day. Well, that's what I wanted you to hear you say. Yes, Love sir. your game, brother. Keep it up. Appreciate it. Now, everyone was angry. We'll get your opinion in a sec, guys. Everybody on Twitter was extremely angry. Shaquille O'Neal should not be saying that to Donovan Mitchell. But if you listen, Donovan Mitchell is actually listening intently because he respects uh, Shaquille O'Neal, he's saying, okay, thank you. Yes, I appreciate that. I mean, he's he's like, I've heard that crap before. I don't need to hear it again. I, I think where this comes from, where the problem comes from is the, the, the bigger issue 
of NBA analysts not supporting and loving the game and just sort of being angry about having to watch basketball and all that. (laughs) Because if Shaq calls somebody out uh, and you trust his opinion and he, he gives a crap about his job every day, then this is just his method of trying to inspire to motivate a player. That's he's a tough. He, he's he's. I think this is his dad method. This is his. Uh, come on, kid. This is his tough love method. But when it's combined with the fact that you know he's not into the the job at all times, he he just kind of you know doesn't watch the game at all times, and it's sort of just a. Uh, it, it's a it's a trait characteristic of many NBA broadcasts right now, and and just throughout. Every sort of legend, and not every legend, but a lot of the legend is just a common thing right now that some guys are just angry. It's already come up on this broadcast. Jeff Van Gundy, like people just aren't all that, you know, supportive and chummy about the game. So those two things combined got people really angry. But I think if Shaq was, you know, do that other part of his job really well, I think this would have been taken a little bit differently. That's all I got to say about that. That was awkward as hell. Yeah. What, what did Shaq want him to say back is what I want to know. Like, what would have, like, been a good response? Well, he like, said, that's what I wanted to hear. He, like, yeah. <laughs> he said, go work on your game, kid. And he said, all right, gonna go work on my game. It was ridiculous. I mean, he's Donovan Mitchell. Kudos to him for being a professional. He should have just said, fuck off. <laughs> like, and I know he doesn't. I'm sure he respects Shaq because he's an all-timer. But, like, fuck off. What a weird thing to say. I trashed you on national TV at the half. <laughs> then I'm going to trash you basically to your face, despite having a great game in a win, um, yeah. because I want to inspire you to be better. Yeah, he what? just worded it. He worded it wrong. He was so saying, stupid. yeah, you're a good stupid. player. He said, you're a really good player. I want you to be better. He should have said it that way. Right. Yeah, right. Kenny smoothed it over right after. Kenny yeah. was explained what Shaq was trying to get at. Right. But Kenny explained it in a way that was constructive and supportive rather yeah. than Shaq, who, as Task called it, was curmudgeoning out there. And that's exactly what it is. He, at the half, Donovan Mitchell is having has a 21-point game. He has a 21-point game. He's in the midst of his best season. The Jazz are on a winning streak. It's not dissimilar to when Draymond Green, in the midst of the best Suns basketball we've seen, said, we got to get Devin Booker out of there. We got to get him away from Phoenix. It's like, no, there are ways that you can be constructive. There are ways that you can help people Besides just hating on him. Get that pure positivity training, Shaq, is what I'm saying. But honestly, think about the way Kobe Bryant was doing things uh, before before he passed away about a year ago. Um, He was challenging players. He was saying, here's how you can become the best version of yourself. Here's how you can become an MVP. He's doing it for people outside of the basketball world as well. He's building them up and saying, here's where you can improve. Not saying, you just had 21 points, you're in the midst of your best season, but are you going to be a top five player that wins championships? That doesn't even make sense. That, like yeah. us listening to half of a podcast and being like, this podcast isn't as good as our podcast. Sorry, not listening to it anymore. Might yeah. as well delete it off iTunes. It's ridiculous. It's just weird all around. Uh, Lily, what did you think of this exchange? Well, I wonder, though, if there's a little bit of uh, drama there between Shaq and the Utah Jazz, because him and Rudy Gobert have kind of been getting into it a little bit lately. Uh, Shaq basically trashed Rudy Gobert for getting $200 million for not having an offensive game. Uh, a few weeks ago. So I wonder if there's just a little bit of tension there and Shaq's just basically saying, because he had a history as well playing against the Jazz, right. that he's just kind of like, screw you, Jazz. I don't care if you're winning. I'm just going to still disrespect you. Uh, and again, you know, he looks at maybe what happened in the playoff last year and that's why he's sort of in that position where he can say, I don't think you guys can step up because they did flame out. They 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 lost in seven games there to the Nuggets after leading 3-1. So I wonder if it's just that, you know, just 
Shaq just like, I don't respect the Jazz and Rudy Gobert, I don't respect him. And so I'm not giving anyone on the Jazz credit. I, but if I it don't is know. that, isn't that still a problem? Like that, it's you know, about, obviously yeah, look, it, a, it, a major it, analyst, the guy that is supposed to be like promote the game and build it look, up is doing after that. that. Like didn't know really, you know, we gave him a pass with like not really knowing who Christian Wood was. <laughs> and then, like you said, like doubling down possibly on his hate for the Jazz. Like that's not a good look, right? No, I mean, it's I not. I get it. It's Shaq. We always go, hey, it's Shaq. He can do whatever he wants. Ha ha ha. But at a certain point, it becomes a little tiresome. Yeah, I mean, the after-the-game stuff, after the Jazz have an impressive win when they're having a hot streak and a young star of the league, you don't want to basically just say, you're not that good, though, and and I don't think you guys can win. It took Shaq a long time to win in this league. Let's not forget that as well. Remember, Mm -hmm. he came in as the number one pick. He was the star. He was hyped up, and it took him until he got to Los Angeles in his, what, eighth season or ninth season before he won. And he lost a few times in the playoffs as well. Remember, the Jazz beat them in 99, 98, 98, 99. And so Shaq had some questions to answer in his career early on. It didn't go as smoothly as as he would have liked. So did you know, Doug Shaq, Collins inspire him on a broadcast well, that never Shaq, saw Shaq, or something like Shaq that? Shaq maybe? should Shaq should realize as well that it, like it takes up Michael Jordan. I mean, he went through some uh, struggles as well before he won. So most players, you know, do have to figure it out. It takes a long time. And the Jazz are one of those teams. They're in the mix at their best. They're a good team, but they do have some issues as well. And they and they have flamed out in the playoffs a couple of times. But uh, it's not a good look when Shaq just basically on on TNT just just kind of dismisses and shits on the team that just had an impressive win. Yeah. They got to love basketball a little bit more. I think that's sure, what it comes down help. to, yeah. to, en- to enjoy watching it. And I guess I think it's a double-edged sword because you've got superstars, Hall of Famers, legends that are on that desk. So Donovan Mitchell was listening intently. He wanted to listen to what Shaq said. But being a superstar, quite often, you didn't have to, you know... Not, it's not that you didn't have to work, uh, but you you just don't have to grind the same way. You're not going to grind at your job. You're not going to watch, you know, uh, hours of footage. You're not going to watch the games, and and that's just so it's a double edged sword. They they get the great part of it, like Chris Webber talking to Anthony Davis at the end of the Lakers game, asked him a question. Anthony Davis talked for five minutes straight because it was Chris Webber on the other end. That was obviously a huge positive. Shaq, if he just showed a, a little bit of, hey man. You know, I watched you tonight. You were actually on a broadcast. I didn't have to do any research. You're right here. You were good. That's all I had to say. There was no uh, question. He didn't ask him exactly. a question. He literally said, I was talking crap about you at halftime. Uh, and I'm going to sort of tilt talk crap to you, to you, to your face, because I'm, you know, I'm not hiding from it by any means. And what do you think about that? Like, that was the question. Like, what do you think about me crapping on you? Like, what are you <laughs> yeah. supposed to say on live television after, again, a good performance? It's like, to a Hall of Famer, like... I, I think he wanted to say something else and, and, and maybe caught himself and probably wisely so. But uh, it's just strange, man. It's just like what you're I'm with you, Tass, like a little more joy, a little more positive, uh, you know, uh, applauding this effort from him and the team in, a, in a, an entertaining game is, would go a long way for sure than this like, ugh, ugh, it was the game's not the same. Uh, it's, uh, I don't like watching whatever it is. Yeah. And it, and it, I guess part of the attitude is uh, like Lee was saying, everybody. Uh, in the NBA can't win. And, and you know, Charles is on that desk. He didn't win. It takes a long time to win. But Shaq has this, you know, he's got this personality that he's still competing with you. I'm still better than you. Like, mm-hmm. He's always going to compete with you. I'm always going to kick your ass, even though, uh, you know, this is Donovan Mitchell trying to win in 2021 here. He's not playing against you. Uh, so I think that's partly it too, right? It's like, 
the guy's trying to be that champion and he's freaking <laughs> he's freaking playing so good in year four he's expanded his game shooting nine threes a game to try and get better he's not a finished product he's fun to watch i like watching him weird weird <laughs> moment but uh, i think that's a good worst of the week right there and now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct tv satellite free hey frank a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get direct tv what's the little birdie was it jimmy the sparrow it's a figure of speech point is you can stream direct tv over the internet now oh sure next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people right <laughs> you mean airplanes stream direct tv without a satellite dish visit directtv.com high-speed internet service required terms and restrictions apply I gotta get something off my chest. Nothing drives me crazier than sending a message to a group chat and getting no response. That's why I'm a big emoji responder. Love a hang loose hand or a salute, but man, it hurts when you send a message and get nothing back. Ouch! We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash NoDunks today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash NoDunks. This episode of NoDunks is brought to you by BetterHelp. Okay, let's get to Tweet of the Night. Mmm, Tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. We are going away from basketball for a moment. Yes, and this isn't getting political, although the topic is involving politics. Don't leave yet, because this tweet from Kristen Anderson Lopez. Oh, it got me reeling uh, when uh, Kamala Kamala Harris and Jill Biden were photographed together wearing... They're long purple coats, or Kamala Harris wearing a long purple coat, Jill Biden wearing a long blue coat, and somebody split screen that Kristen Anderson did with Frozen's Anna and Elsa also wearing a long purple coat and a long blue coat, and then photoshopping Frozen behind them. I mean, it's it's uncanny. (laughs) It's pretty good. Pretty similar colors there. It's a good look, though. It worked for them in the movie. It was them. also a uh, Lisa Simpson, Kamala Harris uh, comparison that was made out there too. She was dressed exactly the same when Lisa was. Um, Lisa became uh, in a, in a advanced episode or a Ford episode where she was the president of the oh, United yeah, States. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and she was dressed exactly like Kamala was uh, on the inauguration day. There, great stuff. Mm. Great stuff. Yeah. That, that tweet just made you chuckle, did it, Tess? Uh, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen Lee's tweet yet. No, not Lee's. I was talking about yours. I know, yeah. I know. But that's going to make me chuckle when I see it. Kamala not wearing purple gloves with her purple jacket, although Jill is wearing Jill Biden is wearing blue gloves with her blue jacket. Um, so I don't know if that's a fashion faux pas. But uh, in, in Frozen, they wear yep. gloves too, right? Because that's where their power is coming from. Yeah, Elsa. Well, Elsa has power. Oh, the, the other one doesn't. No. Right. Wow, that sucks. Anna's got no powers. Yeah, but she's 
you can argue she's the true hero of the show Fuck. of of, of it, at least of the first movie. I didn't mm-hmm. know she had zero powers though. I thought it ran in the family. Or Her something. power is love. Oh, well, that's a good power. Great power. Could write a Wait, song about that. There she is. Oh, there it is. Oh, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's because the the pearls there really take yeah. it to the next level. Excellent. Good. <laughs> I don't think those are pearls on Kamala. No, they're got to say close enough. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I, hey, come on, Skeets. You know that Anna doesn't have powers. I you did. Saw, you saw Frozen Junior. You saw a live. I play did. I with did. Frozen Junior. Yeah, that was. Uh, why did I go watch that? Who was in that? That must have been JD, one of your sons. Were they in Frozen? Is that why I was there? Both of them. <laughs> At the community uh, yeah, they theater. They were yes. both in it. Yeah, they were both, both in, in it. it. Yes. Yeah. 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 Lincoln was. Uh, he was their reindeer, right? Hans. Mm-hmm. No, Sven. 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 He was Sven, Sven. right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Jackson, I can't remember the character's name, but he was like the Duke of something or other. Oh, the guy the Duke who does of the Wesselton. crazy Yeah. 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 Oh, Good times. Great. Good times. Love to love to get back to the live theater at some point. Sure. You know? It's been Are the so kids long. missing it, JD? They oh, must yeah. Be. yeah. Yeah. Well, Lincoln is in a school of the arts and that's that's his thing. And uh there's been nothing. Wow. Doing doing drama classes over Zoom is not is <laughs> is not great. No. Mm. no I wouldn't so. imagine. Are you reading lines with them every once in a while? No, he isn't. Uh, there's no shows. There's nothing to. Nothing yeah, to but do. he's got to keep working on his craft, man. I hate to be a shack about this, okay? But uh, <laughs> okay, come on, take come it on. easy. Just kidding, just kidding. Uh, all big, right. big winter bum out. That's that was a line. What? What? Yeah, blowout. Big, blowout. No, he says big summer blowout. Yeah. Big summer blowout. Yeah. I tried to adapt it for Lincoln being upset. Oh, bum out. Right. I, I yeah. Gotcha. That's not a term. Bum out isn't a term. But whatever. Uh, pick up results from last night. Uh, Lakers Bucks game. Lakers favored by one and a half. Trey and I had the Lakers to get it done, and they did. So that's a good win for us because it's tight for the three of you, especially. Trey goes to nine and 11. I'm 11 and 9, and then we got Tass and Lee, who had the Bucks last night with the L. You guys are 8 and 12, so you guys are tied for last. Trey's right there, and I'm a couple games up. What's tonight's game there, Tass? Well, it's a rematch from a couple nights ago. We had that double OT game between the Cavs and Nets. They're playing again. Mm. But the spread is shocking. Two teams go to double overtime. You expect the spread to be close here, but the Cavs yeah. are getting nine and a half points at home. They can lose by nine if you pick them. Wow. With the Nets visiting at home. This is shocking. Uh, so start us off here. Skates, what do you think? Wow. That is a shocking line. And yeah, I, what's when up I, Whenever with that? I see a line like that, I go, what does Vegas know that we don't know? Like, what, what, are they, what do they got going on over there? Which is why I'll take the Nets. You know, that's strange. Very, very strange. Big line. You're like, exactly right. You just went to double overtime. Colin Sexton was on fire. You know, why would you pick against them right now? They could win the game for crying aloud. Nope. Give me the Nets by 10 plus. Lee, what do you think? Uh, yeah, there's uh, something weird about that. It's very weird. <laughs> See? You're I, sneaky, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, like, will the Nets go, wow, okay, let's be locked in tonight, guys, and go and get it? Uh, probably. But I... Oh, all right, give me the Cavs. I think they've got. I think they can uh, keep it close enough tonight. Anyway, I think that wasn't just a mirage. Again, the Cavs, uh, the Nets' defense gives me a little bit of hope that the Sex Man could go for another forty plus. So I'll say the Cavs. Trey, are you buying this Sex Man talk? <laughs> yes, oh, yes indeed, Tess. I have subscribed to Sexland. I've got the premium membership. In fact, uh, 
I don't know, it's tough though. Kevin Durant is, I guess, questionable for tonight, Ooh. which makes me a little hesitant. Maybe then the Cavs sleep on the Nets. I guess they still got James Harden and Kyrie Irving. That's depth for you right there. Give me the Nets. I think I'm going to regret it, but give me the Nets. Whoa, whoa, Taz, who are you going with? Yeah, I'm going with the Nets too. Whoa! Yeah. I've got Lee tied with him at the bottom here. Let's, let's break a tie. I don't like ties. All right. Come Monday's podcast, yeah, somebody will be in dead last uh, all by themselves, all by their lonesome. All right. Let's end this drop podcast. A long one here, but we're having a lot of fun. A lot of fun conversations with a little rapid fire questions. Trey, my man, you got the cues today. That's right, Skeetsy. ESPN's Tim McMahon snapped a picture of Willie Cauley-Stein rocking a Mavs Defensive Player of the Game championship belt after a game earlier this week. Looks awesome. What's another trophy that should be handed out for single game awards? Skeets. I won't overthink this, Trey. You came up with it. When you get 20-plus rebounds, you got a lot of roast beef. So when you do that, I think you should have to wear an Arby's hat. What's an Arby's hat? <laughs> it's the Pharrell hat. <laughs> That's what you wear when you get 20-plus rebounds in a game. The Arby's slash Pharrell hat, and you wear it proudly. With a little, Probably you could stick some roast beef up under that. Have a little snack later in the day. That's my mm. uh, I love it. I love it. JD, what you got? So uh, I was thinking that um, we could get, uh, you know, the sashes they have in the Boy Scouts and the Girl Scouts where mm-hmm. there's uh, where you can put badges on it. And we just give badges for literally everything. You know, if you get the <laughs> defensive player of the, of the week or whatever or yeah. of the night. Uh, but, you know, add things like composting and first aid and that kind of thing you know cookie entrepreneur maybe there's someone who's opening a bakery these are real badges by the way model design and stamp collecting that'd be great if you just give those out uh, after a game and uh, and then they could wear them around and you, you know you can compare oh lebron's got a lot of them but um you know anthony davis he's got to get it up there man he's got to get some badges on that thing you know that's not that dissimilar to the, like, all-star jackets they used to do, right? That had, like, a mm. certain number of, like, all-star appearances and, like, defensive player of the year wins and stuff like that. But you're taking it next level with some of the skills that they might have acquired. Yeah, why not? And the yeah. sash. I like the sash a lot. <laughs> the sash oh, is yeah. great. That's awesome. At the end of the year, you can just look back and see everything you've accomplished. Hang them all on the wall. That's yeah. a great one, JD. Lee, what you got? So you guys, uh, you know, we often get emails from Australia when people say, you know, why don't you adopt the Australian rules football way of doing the uh, MVP? We call it the Brownlow Medal by giving votes after every game and then you accumulate them at the end of the season, count them up and that decides who the MVP is. Why don't we do that finally in the NBA, right? So after each game, the referees get together and they give out two, two votes. They give five points to the best player on the court and then one point to the second best player. And then at the end of the season, we just count them up and then we get the MVP based on the amount of points they accumulate during the season. And in fact, we can have it running so we can see throughout the season who is actually winning. So then we don't have to debate the award. We can see the leaderboard, who's winning. And at the end of the season, it's like, okay, that guy won it because after Because every, I after can't every trust game. John Butler to make that call. <laughs> Give me a technical foul call. Right? Hey, are you, you saying, are you saying the referees are more biased than people in the media? You come into this season, you say Giannis can't win no matter That's what. That's true. That's true. And I'm right. I'm right about it. And you know it. I can't trust John Butler. I'm sorry if that is his name. I still See, there's no, that's the thing. There's no, there's no one <laughs> system that works perfectly for everyone. So do it in the heat of the moment. 
Good stuff. Second rapid fire question. Joel Embiid and Marcus Smart got into a war of words about who's the bigger flopper after Embiid shot 21 free throws and a win over the Celtics. But here's the twist. They both flop all the time. Guys, when's the time you faked something for dramatic effect? Skeets. I apologize if I've told this story before. I can't remember if I have on the podcast, but one Christmas, uh, every Christmas we would usually, not this year, but we would fly home to Canada, of course, be with family, and uh, I've been with Nora for a long time, um, nearing 20 years, in fact, so this is a while back, but I was probably in year three or four, let's say, maybe year five, of going to her family Christmas, and one of their traditions, uh, she has a British aunt that married into the family a long, long time ago, and we would do the... British Christmas pudding. Now, Lee, I don't know if you've ever done this, but what they would do, their whole thing is, she, uh, Aunt Jenny, would put a bunch of dimes in it. And, you know, then it's cut up, it's put on fire, it's a big show, and then it's passed around. And you pass it around this giant table, and it's gotta keep going until it, you know, obviously gets to the closest person back to where the pudding was. And you get your piece, and you see if you get a dime. If you get a dime, hey, it's good luck, right? Well, I knew this was a thing they did, because again, I'd been there for a couple years. So I just decided, I don't know why, I just thought it'd be hilarious that I would take a $50 bill that I had, and I wrapped it up in tinfoil in advance, had it in my pocket. You know, it gets, everything gets passed around. There's too much going on. This is a huge Armenian family, right? Just, everybody's like yelling and talking and stuff, having a laugh. And so I sort of just slipped it on my, on my plate. And everybody always does the thing like, oh, found a dime, oh, found a dime. Everybody's trying to keep track and all that. And so I did, oh, what's this? And then I, you know, had sort of everybody's attention and opened it up and was like, wow, $50. <laughs> like, and I made a huge deal. Of it, and you should have seen the reactions <laughs> from everyone at the table. Like people jaw, like literally hit the floor. They couldn't believe it because they thought it was real. Uh, and it was a grand old laugh. Uh, and it was a... Uh, I nailed it perfectly. I played it off perfectly. Like, I was excited. Like, wow, Auntie Jenny's putting in 50s now, man. You went from dimes to 50s. So, that's my story. I can't remember if I shared that story on this podcast. I feel like I'm no, talking to you think uh, so. offline. No, okay. So, that was, uh, you know, look, the family already loved old Skeetsy, but that took me next time. They still talk about it, Lily. Still reminisce about that time. Man, 15 yeah. years deep in the podcasting man. game, reaching deep in the bag like the fries are at the bottom, pulling out a bagger. Oh! Skates with the $50 dime. Love yeah. it. Unfortunately, Dave, I'm going to have to use that 50 and give half of it to Task coming up here and then that's make the final. I had a little bit of tr- trouble coming up with something, so uh, I'm just going to say uh, I I faked sweating for a, a DraftKings ad uh, a couple of months ago, and I had Jackson spraying me down with a... With a a little spray bottle, and I got water all over my system, and uh, <laughs> but it was totally worth it. It was totally worth it. The gag, it, it, it went off without a hitch. So that's my answer. <laughs> that was a banger of an ad read too, Lily. Uh, pretty much every day when I go outside and play with my uh, two boys, we play hide and seek or blasters or something like that. And whenever we play Lego blasters or, or Star Wars blasters, I have to fake going down every time. Like my four-year-old won't let me just be like. I can't just let them bounce off me. I have to go down. I have to be down and out for the count. And it's like, 
after like the 10th time, I'm like, I'm not, I'm done, man. I'm done. I'm not going down again. Then go back down and then to get back up. And then he just blasts me again. And he never goes down when I blast him either. He's always got a shield up. He always protects himself. Uh, If I use the same tactics, it never works. I'm like, I've got got a shield. Uh, Actually, you don't have a shield for this blast. I'm like, well, how how do you have a shield all the time? How come you're always blocking my blast, but I've always got to go down for yours? (laughs) Sounds like they got that advanced technology. Gotta step your game up. Sounds like you suck at blasters. I do. I do, apparently, because I can never, ever defeat those guys. They always beat me, especially the four-year-old. He's very sly. He's very cunning. He knows how to get me. <laughs> Last rapid fire question. With the win over Kansas City this week, this weekend, the Bills would go to the Super Bowl for the first time since 1993. Shout out to Daryl Tiley. What's something you haven't done since the 90s, but you might get back into, Skeets? I am just continuing to talk this into existence. NBA Jam playing it a lot I'm eventually <laughs> gonna get the NBA Jam arcade system you know the whole cabinet I'm gonna do it uh, uh, you know again I've talked about this before on the pod we're getting closer because I, I think uh, my buddy Gris just saw one the other day at the Walmart <laughs> he's like is this what you were talking about I'm like that's it that's it that's it uh, so we know it's there I can just go pick it up later today if I wanted to I'm Ooh, a little jam on a Friday. Looking forward to the unboxing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, I definitely will unbox that once I get that. Uh, we got to so launch yeah, a Twitch NBA channel if you t- get into gaming. Played a ton of it in the 90s, of course, but uh, I'm bringing it back. All right, JD. Uh, shaving, maybe, you know? It's been... Uh, <laughs> it has literally been since the 90s since I didn't have a beard, so and it's getting a little... Yeah, when you can't see the it's logo long. on your shirt, it's uh, <laughs> it's getting a little ZZ top. So I don't know. I thought I was thinking, what what would happen if I just shaved, like complete, Whoa. no no facial hair? I don't. It's literally been thirty years since I since that. So wow, do it. Just, just show up one day and just be like, you would be like, who is that guy? Like you would not <laughs> recognize me probably. Well, probably we've never not. known you. We've seen the odd photo maybe, but yeah. yeah. We've never known you without a beard, right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know me without a beard. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. yeah, I had a beard in Ryerson for sure. Yeah. So I'm worried about my jowls. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, like, do you have a good jawline, or do you? No, I don't. I don't. I got no chin. That's my joke. I, I'm, I'm, I'm like Roger Ebert after he had his surgery, his oh, chin Jesus. removed. Oh, Lily. Uh, <laughs> when I when I first started traveling in the nineties, I used to have a bum bag, a fanny pack, as you call it over here, and I used to love it because fanny packs, bum bags, they were in, they were in, 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 and then they were out, out, out. People were like, get that out of here. No one wants to see you with a bum bag anymore. But I like them, so I did rock. I hold on to mine for a while. And now I've missed traveling so much. Next time I'm going on a plane, I'm getting a brand new bum bag. I'm putting the passports in it. I'm putting my wallet in it. I'm putting my phone in it. I'm bringing back the bum bag. I think it's time for it to come back. I think so. It's a cycle. And they're cool. I like them. They they are back. I mean, Trey can probably speak to this better than I can. The the fanny pack, it's back, isn't it? Last couple of years. I feel like you always see guys coming into the arena wearing them. Yeah, the fanny pack is back, but I've never heard it called a bum bag. So that could definitely come back. Call it at that. <laughs> what would you do, uh, Lee, if LeBron tweeted at you, you bum bag? <laughs> <laughs> I would say, see, it's back in. The bum yeah. bag is back. <laughs> see, the fanny pack means something different in Australia and well, England. You, can, you don't you don't walk around saying to people, I got my fanny pack out. 
Aunt Jenny would just laugh you out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. Uh, that's a rapid fire. Let's call it there. This is a long one, but hey, you got all weekend to listen to this classic. If you're in the mood, go grab some No Dunks items at nodunks.com. Hoodies and t-shirts and shorts and mugs. Go rep the brand. And uh, you know what? Treat yourself to an athletic subscription. Go to theathletic.com slash nodunks where you can sign up for just $3.99 a month right now for the best damn sports writing in the world. Thanks so much to the stream team, the team stream, for joining us live here on YouTube. Really appreciate it. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please leave us that five-star rating and review. We'll get to uh, Five Star Friday some point in February. So if you got a new review, you might get in the show. All right. Fun one, guys. Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, one Christmas, I went to Christmas dinner, and I wrapped up a 50 and fooled Aunt Jenny. (laughs) (laughs) Embrace the weekend, people.